Scotty everyone, welcome back to the Side Hit Podcast, I'm your host Fat Tony and today with us we've got the Cadrona Parks head honcho Matt Slocum, welcome Matt Hey, how you doing? Good bro, how was your summer? Well, winter by the looks of it Yeah, winter, Uh, it was all good, got back a few weeks ago Um, bit of a strange one being in Finland during this Covid times but still managed to build a whole park and we're open the whole season so it's Sweet, I've seen a few Instagram stories of totally empty airports which is kind of something yeah, yeah, the travel is definitely more interesting now. It's kind of good in ways. There's, there's no rush to get around because there's no people, but <laughs> you're having to wear a mask and sometimes a face shield for two days straight. It's a bit, bit draining. but. And so how was the winter in Finland this year? It's good. Yeah, like uh, basically when I landed, uh, I went over in November. When I got there, the laws kind of changed a little bit and masks were compulsory and things started getting a little bit in the air, but... No, no, you kind of get used to it. It's part, yeah. part of life these days. We're pretty lucky. But yeah, besides that, we got the snowmaking done, built a pretty fun setup. Had a couple of boys, or basically all the boys returning from the year before. Oh, yep. So that was really good. And um, so it was uh, mainly Finnish? They were all Finnish. Group. Yeah. We were going to get James from Aussie, who was part of Cadrona Parks for quite a few years to come over. Um, Bear Travels became a bit of a hassle, so it didn't, didn't work out, unfortunately. Mm. Hi, James. Shame you're not back this year. Yeah. What up, James? No hard feelings, mate. Yeah. See you soon. So what's what's James up to at the moment? Well, he had a bit of a hard time trying to get anywhere after... He was with me in Finland the previous season. Yeah. COVID shut down the borders. We all had to leave. Last time I saw him was at the airport in Sydney when I had to fly back here. <laughs> and him and his missus, Rosie, had to, they were going back to Aussie. Um, couldn't come last year. Couldn't come to Finland. It's a bit draining. And then, but now he's got a job running... Threadbow Parks, which is pretty oh, sick. Shit. Go James. Mm. Cool. Well, we'll kick this off. Uh, Matt, where are you from and how'd you get into snowboarding? Uh, well, we moved around a bit when I was younger. It's from Southland, a little place called Riversdale. Then Dunners for basically primary school. Alexandra for intermediate and high school. And then been here on and off ever since in Wanaka. And so how did snowboarding get into the picture? Uh, that was the Alexandra days. Um, when I was like 12, so the last year of intermediate. Um, some of the ski resorts were giving the local school some like epic discounts it was like 30 bucks would get you your day pass your rental and a lesson which is just crazy cheap when you think about it now <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, yeah. hope, I hope kids still get good deals but yeah that was that was crazy um, so I managed to go like four times that year it was like twice at TC and two times to Remarks and then after that I was just pretty hooked and got a season pass pretty much every year since so growing up in alex is there some truth to the rumor that you're responsible for designing the alexandra skate park uh you're not me alone no 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 not just me but it was me and my two good mates tony and sam who uh basically spent every day at the death pit of a bowl that we used to have yeah um just no matter the weather i was catching up with sam in the weekend cracking up at the old stories um, if, if you've been to Alexandra Skate Park, we still have the old bowl there, and then there was you know surrounding like the square area which we had some pallets mm. to do some manuals over. <laughs> so a few ron- random uh, concrete blocks to ollie over in there, and then my brother Brent actually built a quarter pipe which is there for a long time in a flat bank. Um, so he was one of the few skaters back in the day, and then yeah, when me and my mate started, there was like <laughs> six of us, <laughs> mm. um, and then yeah, we one year. Uh, Sam and I were drawing some pictures to build some stuff out of wood and his, his dad happened to be at the home and came over and was like oh why don't you build those out of concrete 
<laughs> you know, we're teenagers, not even really thinking that's possible. And he just got on the mission and sourced a bunch of funding, uh, volunteer work and free materials and things. And yeah, a few months later, construction started. We were there every day with shovels. Right. A few months after that, we had a skate park. I remember when that was built. Mm. Two, well, 2001-ish. About 2001, yeah. So remember, it was a, such a bad snow season um, here in Wanaka, and there was quite a few days off. We were just like, fuck it, let's go skate this new skate park in Alex. Mm. And at the time, man, it was like fucking good for the time. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, especially around these parts, there wasn't anything close to it. You had Cromwell, and none of us were really, unless you're into transition, the Queenstown Park wasn't really your thing, and... So we were hyped to go down there. Thanks for saving our 2001 season hey, there, man. My pleasure. That was a pretty <laughs> epic thing to be a part of. Yeah, so you're kind of designing parts before you knew you were going to be in the park crew. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's still standing, which is crazy. What a build now. Yeah, you know, yeah. It comes and goes. But. Well, you you got to take a bit of a broom down there now because the bloody BMX track's right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I need to actually go there for a skate. It's been, it's been a while. So this led into you doing the Polytech course in 2003. Uh, yeah, so in high school, uh, like most kids, didn't really know what I was going to be doing. Um, didn't see myself going to uni at the time, so I wanted to go snowboarding was the main thing. And a way to be able to keep snowboarding was instructing. And in sixth form, I did a weekend Warriors instructors course. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, this is 2002. And uh, didn't really get enough experience teaching or anything to do the exam so the following year signed up for the Otago Polytechnic instructors course 03 OG since 03 and that's when I moved to Wanaka and um, that was epic you know I went from having a couple of mates to go snowboarding with to like 30 plus yeah and yeah. so many like-minded people there like skating and similar music tastes and just the chill vibes of Wanaka was pretty pretty awesome so there was a few people in that course that listeners might recognize who was in that course with you yeah, yeah, a lot of people stayed in the industry over the years. Most people know Rebecca Hollis, who's like behind nzsnowboard.com and many other things, the airtime and frontside media and that. Uh, Bevan Hall, who was a coach for a long time. And, and uh, then started bringing uh, Libtech in for a while too. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, he was moving rep for a while there. And uh, big man at Snow Park. Um, Steph Zestraden. Well, Steph Zestraden. Yeah, yeah. He, he was in the Avalanche Safety course. Yeah. Yeah, I sat my instructor's exam with him. Well, the first time I was really snowboarding with him and the free ride part. I remember we're in captains and we're at this cornice. Most people know if you point it out, it's this original sort of cornice like just above Paradise. Oh, is that, that everyone's first cornice drop over the array? Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. It's got a pretty nice run out if it's not too yeah. moguled out and you can go pretty deep. Fuck, I've seen uh, Brent Screen do the meanest switchback ones off that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's perfect if you're, if you're regular for the switchback or front way side Way deep, yeah, but I was like gearing up to maybe do a front one or a grab or something, and then Steph drops before me. He's like, nice as front three tail grab, stomps it, rides away. And I was like, fuck, who's this dude? <laughs> but he, he blew up. Sense, he's been killing it for years. Mm. Big man on the lavender farm these days, but yeah, yeah. You still see him up there for the morning, early morning sessions. Yeah, he's still got it, eh? He's still, he was still doing taking crazy big jumps and yeah. shit. Last year on Big Bucks, he was throwing 10s and 9s and all sorts, eh? Yeah, yeah Jesus Christ. Yeah. There was a couple other dudes on uh, the Danny Fairley, who was on the park crew for a bit, who's now a civilian soul and part of uh, Armadillo Moore. Oh, yeah. Um, Jody Blatchley, he was ripping. He was such a humble dude, he didn't know how solid he, he was. So, was he, when he was doing your Polytech course, he wasn't 
doing all this gnarly shit gnarly shit he became known for with like this uh, no he was doing gnarly shit yeah 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 like I was saying oh. he's very humble we didn't really know I remember early days like it was a pretty bad snow season 03 mm. and the first month was all off snow stuff we were just hanging out going to the skate park doing a course also going for a few beers and socialising and all that and I guess it's like talking to him about you know what do you what sort of tricks do you do on jumps and that or what do you like to ride and we're talking freestyle stuff and he was like oh yeah I really want to work on my back ones this year I was like oh I'm sick like me too mm, yeah <laughs> and then uh, one of the boys uh, James aka Dingo what up Dingo uh, found this magazine and Jody had a full page spread like ad for spy God oh, was right. it and he said he's a massive backcountry kicker and like Hey, let's do his hiding some things. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> Man. And um, <clears throat> there was a couple more. Who else was on there? Luke Gain? Uh, Luke Gain, yep. Yeah. Yep. So he's the Volcom and Electric Rep these days. He and was at Cheapskates for a long time. So Probably the biggest frother there is, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Still still got it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I love riding with Luke. Mm, like, yeah. how's that... Um, Christ, I have so much fun whenever I ever run with them. Yeah. But how's that dirt get picture you posted on his Instagram? Is that uh, Porter's last year? Porter's last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But last time I rode with him was a couple of years ago. And uh, we were over in Captain's and he just turned... I don't know how he's just got this weird eye for shit. Like, yeah. There's this bank there that suddenly turned into like, can you do a full circle in this? Mm. And... It took me the whole season before I did, but I couldn't yeah, wait yeah. to tell him when I did. <laughs> and he's just like casually like does it, then cruises away and ollies over the fence. It's yeah. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. Nah, he's, he's got a sick style and yeah, he likes a good eye for things. Mm. It's always fun to watch and great to ride with them. Yeah. Run with, run, at, uh, run with Porters. A run at Porters with him would be pretty fucking cool. Yeah, he'll know that place pretty well yeah. now. And so where did the instructing... Um, so that year after that I ended up working at TC alright Triple Cone for two seasons instructing it was pretty sweet 04 was a pretty epic snow season yes it was um, yep. I can't think of anyone that any other season has been like that actually no like it's at least one or two powder days a week like it consistently like. yeah, yeah and good like, snowfall like right through to closing day yeah and the was coverage phenomenal. was epic yeah and that was, uh, I was very stoked on that season and being an instructor and kind of stuck up there like you know be horrible days you might want to leave like oh I might have less and got to stay and you get the two o'clock clear ups oh yeah everybody's <laughs> gone then two o'clock it clears up and then all of a sudden the whole Sundance Valley is unridden and you just have lines for the rest of the day and the six just can't get you up there fast enough yeah yeah mm. yeah so in this time like influences in your riding like who are you looking at like local and international uh well initially would be some old school rippers because the first snowboard video I ever saw was uh, TV7 North of Heaven it still holds up today yeah. it's so sick um, so that was like TAA uh, Ingmar Bachman uh, Johan Olofsson Noah Slaznik and just like big mountain freestyle riders yeah and then as the years go on and park riding started getting into street riding start looking at the forum movies Mark Frank Montoya obviously yeah yeah <laughs> um and then it got into like you know Haldor and Torstein and sort of newer sort of more tech jibbers with mean style too was there anyone uh, locally you were looking at as well locally yeah yeah for sure I remember Quentin Robbins had a mean back three yes he no does no grab yeah which uh, oh right <laughs> are, we, are we starting to find out a bit more about where things came which from now that, yeah 
that's something I took on in my writing. So where did you see Quentin do those? Uh, I think it was a big ear comp. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I think I had... It might have been like a free video that came with like New Zealand Snowboard or something. Yeah. And it was like some comp footy. Uh, I just remember watching that clip on repeat. Just the way he popped and then looked over like it was doing a front blunt 270 or something. Yeah. And then holding it in the last second whipping it around. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to do threes like that. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> and obviously the Jackway brothers. Oh, yeah. The pair of them are both just epic. And then like the Darrow boys, like the their movies. For me, watching that, uh, I was pretty stoked to see some Kiwis overseas ripping street rails. Mm. So who were you looking at in the Darrow videos? Because it was quite a big lineup. Yeah, yeah. For for those movies. Yeah. Like, once you look through the carnage of what's going on, <laughs> you know. Uh, oh, man, it's going back a bit. But, like, obviously mm. Nick Hine was mm. just, like, a trick dictionary. just could do anything. Like, you wouldn't play a game of snow against him. No, no, for yeah. sure. Like, like, you'd be trying to figure out if he switch or regular <laughs> or what. You didn't, you didn't really know. Yeah. But everything was stomped. Fuck, I read somewhere yeah. in some article that he decided to... It wasn't riding switch like he's in save i can't i don't know if he's regular or goofy he's he could but mm. say if he's a regular rider he decided to commit to spending the whole season riding goofy or some shit yeah yeah and just like fuck who else fucking thinks of that shit eh mm. like, i think i remember reading that too. Was new zealand snowboarder mag or something mm. like that's something that i'd commit to for a day maybe yeah but like a whole season yeah yeah you know, holy shit pays you, off you, eh you know you, you see what come out of that every season all kind of things like all right Mm. got to ride more switch spend a whole day yeah so so I think yeah. with those Dura videos I love watching like uh, Logan Holt and Rob Mitchell yeah. and Heath Patterson yeah yeah you know, yeah those dudes were yeah they uh, were the gnarly boys yeah, so like yeah. Lo- Logan Holt had there was another back three shot I think actually uh, off some corner so it might have been up Payhu I think God, I've never been there so I don't know the spot it was fucking huge mm. but yeah they were a good inspo for you know, going overseas and hitting backcountry kickers or, you know, yeah. just going over off pistes and building a jump and that's yeah, you know, doable. So instructing at TC, I can't imagine there'd be much demand for an instructor up there. Like, how was that work-wise and shit? Uh, yeah, it was pretty chill. Um, I was eating a lot of baked beans and uh, two-minute noodles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I got to snowboard every day, which, mm. which was the main thing for me. Um, just frothing too much on riding so as long as I had enough money to pay rent get by with food I was, I was happy you mm. know beers were cheap back then <laughs> the Dobin was pretty cheap like you'd think about your wage and like jugs of beer and pies and mm. if you had enough of that you're good <laughs> no sweet and so did this lead to you stealing firewood from um, some big house and then running from the cops or something <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah kind of <laughs> <laughs> that was my first flat in Wanaka. That was a funny spot. There was about 10 of us all t- staff from TC, and it was quite close to the Wanaka backpackers. Um, and we didn't have any firewood. We saw they had heaps of firewood. <laughs> it, it seemed like they could probably spare a couple logs. <laughs> and so we did a mission around the corner and took a couple handfuls each. And it, w- it wasn't the cops, it was like a car pulled up. We thought, oh, it was sweet. And then they just start full, full high beaming. Our mate Campbell is behind the trees. And then me and I think it's my flatmate Ryan's like, fuck, go, 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 go. <laughs> just start sprinting. And then managed to get around the car and down the street. And then Campbell went bush. Still uh, still got the wood in your hands? Yeah, yeah. Still brought it back. Campbell somehow bit us home. 
yeah. yeah. Oh, do what you got to do, you know. Got to, got to stay warm. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Wanaka backpackers. I'm, I'm sure you guys could spare a couple of locks. <clears throat> this time in two thousands, like Snow Park was blowing up pretty massive too, and Wanaka scene was. Sure, well, Wanaka scene was getting quite big with all the international blow-ins for Snow Park. Were you riding up Snow Park mm. much? Recently? Uh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't like there every day, but I'd always get a few days a season. And the first year I opened '03 to public, anyway. Um, I was up there a lot that spring and that, mm. that was real sick yeah because um, I've always been riding you know the little bit of park Cadrona had yeah before that and it was basically you know you'd have a small flat rail and you'd have mm. like a massive flat rail so um, <laughs> what was that Little Ted and Big Ted Big Ted, Ted yeah, yeah. yeah 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 and um no boxes no there wasn't eh? and no. they had uh, what was the name of the bloody Dr. Evil yeah, uh, that would have been 03 they had that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Dr. Evil Rail. Yeah. That, that was like a, you know, if you got over that, you're pretty pretty bloody yeah. stoked. <laughs> it was an awesome wall ride too at uh, 03. Yeah, yeah, it had the training up the side. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the Groove Star Rail. Yeah, and um, what was the other one that gave the park the heavy metal name, the Gene Simmons Battleship Rail? Yeah, that thing was hectic. <laughs> it was gnarly, <laughs> Both yeah. of them were flat bars. Really? The Akira flat bars, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that battleship I think I only hit a handful of times because yeah, it just scared the shit out of me. And then the rainbow I was like real stoked on. Nice, mm. it was smooth and massive for back then, especially. Fuck, so I mean, compared to what we got now, it was pretty primitive. Did you notice, like, back then, like, so in the days of Big Ted and Little Ted, like, Snow Park was just leaving Cadrona for dead as far as park yeah. stuff so it was sort of going, eh? Yeah, because Cadrona had, you know, quite a small area then, too. Mm like we had a couple jumps and a few rails and stuff and it's kind of in the same spot I don't think Stag Lane was really there then I think it was yeah. all kind of in the Big Bucks area yeah well, I just all I remember was it was called the Heavy Metal Terrain Park and I was like that's saying that name is fucking sick yeah <laughs> we're actually talking about that with uh, Emma Emma who's um, the cleaner well she's going to be a lifting now and, um, and we're like, that name needs to come back. So we're going to throw it out there now and like, bring back right. the heavy metal terrain pie. Start a petition, let's see how it goes. <laughs> eh? <laughs> but yeah, they we had you know a small area of Cadrona. And then Snow Park was a whole ski resort mm. based on park. Yeah, And that was pretty sick. And the first year was awesome. It was just like a tea bar, a few shipping containers. as mm. the ticket office and the day lodge and that. And just a bunch of people just running right park. There's no Jerry's. You know, if you yeah. want to learn to turn, you go somewhere else. It's nothing, yeah. Obviously, there's nothing wrong with it. You've got to start somewhere, but it was just like hanging at a skate park. Yeah, you know, yeah. There's a bunch of like-minded people hanging out and riding. It's, it's sick. Yeah, and I think for the time, that pipe was just the best thing. They had like three of them at one stage. Did they? Yeah, like Cadrona did in the early days. They yeah, had like four. So I remember those days at Cadrona very yeah. well with the four pipes yeah. and then the whole Japanese half-pipe army that came yeah. with that. yeah. But I, I, oh fuck, I didn't know that. They had, I, I only knew of the one. Yeah, uh, actually, I just saw a picture pop up today on Facebook. Uh, Sally Norman put up. Oh, I did. And it's a bit it. of a chopper shop uh, overlooking. You can see at least three of them. And I yeah. think there's another one tucked away. Got heaps of earthworks there to get that yeah. stuff going. It's like, it's pretty epic. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's bonkers to think it's been gone. Like, it's su- such a. Um pivotal moment in New Zealand snowboarding and even international snowboarding there's mm. bonkers to think it's been gone for about the same time as it totally existed yeah and just the vibrancy that that place brought to the Wanaka winters yeah at yeah. the time and you know it was rad like you could ride the chair and you'd be riding 
there's a high chance that you could probably share a chair with your favorite pro yeah be like no fucking way yeah you yeah know? and yeah it was yeah See, it's a bunch of like-minded people hanging out some of them happen to be the top of the world yeah Love yeah the skill they're in well that was a trip right um because you know we're talking about 04 and mm. springtime i had quite a few days over at snow park and got to watch travis rice win some quarter pipe yeah. thing and all that i remember i went to canada sunshine village and i was working there and shit yeah dudes were like oh and then the magazines oh this and travis rice it's like oh dude i watched him fucking win the you know and it's like, and it's just like no fucking way you did yeah you know like, <laughs> i don't like, believe no, it like seriously like how privileged we were to actually experience that when all these people i worked with in canada and stuff like mm. that was like seeing a fucking to them that was like seeing a fucking unicorn or some shit it's yeah, like bullshit, yeah yeah you know and it's like well we were really privileged to yeah to see some of that shit there's a lot of resorts in the world but on this side of the world there's only a handful mm. and that happened to be like the best place at the time to go to mm. so and a lot of them flock there it's, it runs yeah. off season as well for mm, Northern exactly Italy. yeah mm. so how did you get into park shaping so I remember you worked with us in the rental department in 2009 yeah probably thank you for that job I think oh was it me oh, well, I'm pretty sure you put in a good word sorry for Nathan and, and Rusty and that <laughs> cheers to that that nah, was good times <laughs> I had a good time working with you boys there and uh, Andy Balcom was doing his beatbox blues and yeah shit. yeah and yeah what up, Andy, if you're listening? What up? He's killing it these days, too. Yeah, he was playing festivals in fucking Europe or some shit. Yeah, yeah. Like, big fucking things. Yeah. Oh, we've got on a side side note there. So how did the how did you get into park crew? Um, so I guess got to take a step back a little bit. I did a season in Christchurch. I was studying up there. Um, had a lot of injuries and decided I should get a job that I could sit on my ass and do pretty much uh, and work from anywhere which was a big thing as well so I could still travel and snowboard and so I was doing this uh, graphic design course was intro to a few different things web development stuff and a mate of mine I met in Canada but it was Kiwi Alan Lillibald was running the park at Porters oh yep and he hooked me up a pass to be like a team writer Man. which you know I just had to go ride <laughs> pretty sweet and yeah, get some shots and footy and I, yeah, help them a bit with the building. Him and another mate, good friend, Jan Herker, is from the Czech Republic. Um, they were building the park, I'd help them out a little bit. And then uh, all those earthquakes happened, I guess, in mm. Christchurch. I was up there for that. Shit, um, where were you when the earthquake hit? The first one, I was actually in Darfield. Yeah. Oh no, sorry, not Darfield, it was in Springfield. Uh, the earthquake it was pretty close I think it was around Darfield the first yeah. one in September and uh, yeah so I was staying at Jan's place on the floor and it was like four in the morning or something mm. and feel a little shake and it's like four in the morning it was like cold and I was tired so it was like oh it's just an earthquake and then all the snowballs start falling down around my head and, then, and the other people start freaking out so get up and yeah realise how bad it was um, but luckily that one wasn't so fatal since it was you know in the early hours of the morning the next one like that that affected my school but we managed to open up a couple weeks later mm. um, the next one in February I was in the middle of the city um, and in my classroom waiting to go back and yeah it was pretty hectic glass was smashing buildings were falling down like pretty close by and Jesus. that CTV See. building was uh, just up the road so fuck so you're bang smack in the middle of that shit yeah 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 it's pretty surreal 
looking back on it so yeah hectic time um but yeah that basically shut down the school uh indefinitely we didn't really know what was going on so i stayed for a while helped out with like the student army digging mm. out liquefaction and clearing people's homes and stuff for them and did that for a few weeks and then it's just like didn't really know what to do it's just getting like student allowance and just like hanging out living in lincoln uh, so i decided to move back to wanaka for the winter worked in rentals again oh that's right yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. um Shit, that would have been about 2011 then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. good memory. Yeah, it was about then. Uh, worked at the Dobin selling pies to drunks and stuff. Oh, right. So yeah. you see a few, uh, serve out a few pie and fight combos or yeah, a lot of, witness lot to of, a few of those. <laughs> Breaking up a lot of fights that season. <laughs> it's pretty bad. I hope it's not like that anymore. Mm. Um, but yeah, then after that, I didn't really know what I was doing. And Alan called me up from Porters and he was like, oh, how's it going? Yeah, good. Oh, I'm going to Sweden. Going to go build some parks there. And I was like, oh, sick. Sounds awesome. Said, There's a job if you want. You just have to be there in three weeks. And like I said, I didn't know what I was doing. And yeah, it just took, you know, a couple of minutes to decide really. Well, once I figured out I could, could do it or afford it, um, yeah, ended up going there. Oh, sweet. He looked after one resort, Tarnabu, and he was there with a couple from Porters, uh, John and Claudia, who are driving the cats. And I was in Hamavan, which is like a owned by the same company. I was kind of solo, or like had a local dude who used to run the park, the Avale, and he helped me a bit. And a bunch of local drivers that could speak English, they're a bit shy about it. It took it took me a while to wear them down to speak English. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was an interesting season. I worked almost every day. Built you know pretty fun park for what we had it was a lot of recycled uh, scaffolding as rails oh yeah uh, they had some nice boxes from Scandinavian Shaper which you could move, like change up and that mm. and uh, yeah that was the first taste just building a park almost by myself in Sweden right so yeah. was there not really a big park scene in Scandinavia at this time uh, I mean there was because I thought there would have been with the amount of riders that had come out of Scandinavia for sure <clears throat> like they have like snowboard schools and stuff mm. there and there were really like big parks like Clapham and Ore and stuff going on, but you know we're in the middle of nowhere in the just mm. just below the Arctic Circle sort of thing. So around there, yeah. not not so much. So um, they were quite stoked that these foreign people came and were keen to work. Like, you know, it was minus thirty sometimes. Just like yeah. I was just that keen to build something fun to ride that uh, I didn't mind to do it by myself. I was there until like early hours of the morning. Mm. One night I put together a twelve meter box basically by myself up on the slope I, I think I got to nine metres and a few kids turned out they were just having me walking around I was like oi 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 come up here <laughs> and then I lifted nine metres while they dragged in the three and connected it up and made our first long box there <laughs> but, and so this led to a, um, I guess a decade of yeah, it is going a back decade, to yeah. Scandinavia then yeah and doing the park thing over there yeah 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 the following year in New Zealand I worked at Cadrona and it was the first year working there and then it's been back and right. forth since so how did the um, Cadrona thing come about? The Cadrona Parks, sorry, the, how did the Cadrona Parks crew yeah, come yeah. about? Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, I've been riding there for years. So I knew the boys. Uh, Tony Corelli was running it at the time. Mm. Uh, I hit him up. Uh, I you know, had to play online anyway, but just let him know I was interested and gave me a bit of a phone interview and just like, yeah, you got the job. <laughs> Pretty stoked. <laughs> Corelli was an awesome, well, still is an awesome dude. Um, yeah, put up Tony. So how was that? Like, I, I'm guessing the new guy he was taking you under 
under his wing, that sort of thing. Yeah, there's a few of us knew that year. Well, it was, it was a big turnover because there was a few who just started the year before, mm. like uh, Danny and Pirate Dave, yeah, uh, and Nick. And then there was me, Kev, and Otto. All came on, mm. and yeah, we might have taken some other people on. Sorry if I'm forgetting names. Uh, for that season's ten years ago now, but since I had an experience before, it kind of there wasn't too much hazing on me. Yeah, I think newer guys got more shit. I guess we were given the American shit, even though they had heaps of experience. Yeah, Kevin Otto, but yeah, it was pretty. It was good times. So, what was the rookie hazings that would take place for you guys then? Uh, well, there's always beer fines, basically. Oh, yeah. If you ever stuff up, it's not just for rookies; it's everyone. If you are late, or you miss the van, or you lose your snowboard, or you drop a rake or something off the lift, or basically anything that you consider a mistake, it's you buy a box of beers. Right. So, what was your biggest beer fine? <laughs> My biggest. Throwing the lunch under the bus. Uh, right <laughs> it's been a little while, but you know, like probably. Uh, late or something I'm pretty sure one time oh I think you're involved in this I am I <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, I was living with Benny oh shit yeah. and um, yeah, say no more right there <laughs> <laughs> I think he was actually late mm. and you would come to pick him up and he, we had to drag him out of bed or something I was like on my way out the door and you turned up so I came to give you a hand but and I think the boys had just pulled up but didn't see me by the time we got Benny up into your van and came out I could see them driving away and oh right yeah. sorry that man <laughs> actually fucking Benny needs uh, that. That's we'll pin that one on yeah. him you know you try and be a good guy I remember that <laughs> season though that's 2.14 Benny's last one and he was just fucking ruthless that season <laughs> Christ um, well, that's a whole thing we probably don't need to get into. No, no, no. So, did you have to do the rookie ride? Was it, was it the rookie ride? Uh, the rookie race? The rookie no, race. I, I was lucky enough to miss out on that. Right, so what is the rookie race then? Um, well, basically, if you're a first year rookie, we expect you to lie face down, legs straight, arms kind of up behind you, and then someone who's not a rookie, at least second year up, will sit on your back. And put their legs pretty close to your head, I guess, while holding onto your arms, and just go flying head first down the landing of the big air. <laughs> and it's a race because there's other rookies here racing. So, um, so who's been the fastest rookie uh, rookie combo? Oh, um, the couple times I've did it, I was racing on top of Oscar, and we were going against Pirate Dave, and he was sitting on top of uh, Ross. And they won the first one, which was down the run, and it was kind of like the warm-up. And then we took it out, the the big race. And um, yeah, Tom Campbell was down the bottom, being the kind of the judge. And I think Oscar had held my legs up or something. Like, I couldn't slow it down at all. And we came flying down. The other boys start putting the brakes on to get down the like toe of the jump or the bottom of the landing. And we just still pinning it. And Tom had to jump out of the way. And then some, like, managed to get my feet down and just start scraping. And we were, like, a couple of meters away from ending up in the learner slope. There's a video somewhere. I think uh, you have to look up Oscar's Instagram. Oh, right. Go back a few years, do some scrolling, you'll, you'll find a video. Oh. But there's been a few races. Like, I don't know who's the fastest. <clears> but, yeah. 
Oh, right. Fast as I've gone. <laughs> and so that's a Tony Corelli brainchild. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think if you search online, you might be able to find some video from the old NZ Snowboard days where they did a day in the life. Oh, right. And Pirate Dave got raised, or he was called Rookie Dave, <laughs> and he kind of got a lot of shit about it. And he was pretty off it that that sort of stopped. Mm. So the season I was the rookie, we yeah. didn't do it, and then kind of been doing it since. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think Tony Corelli is probably a guy I'd credit with um, <clears throat> uh, turning Kadrona Park's reputation around. Yep. Sort of at the time when he came on board, Kadrona was getting whipped by Snow Park. And yeah. Then, and then he was yeah, sort of... A little bit. Him and, that, him and that crew, like him and Nate and those guys, seemed mm. to be the first crew that was actually like had a regimented raking maintenance schedule on features and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's good. Good crew of guys. So yeah, Tony, Nate, Johnny, mm. uh, Gromy, and um, yeah, a bunch of good dudes. And Tony, when yeah, he took the reins, it started get, noticing yeah things getting raked more often. Yeah, and the uh, the standard, the presentation, everything going up. And then you know it's quite noticeable when I started there that you know he, you know showed you how it's done how it's supposed to look and expected that's how it looks every time you shape mm. and that was pretty pretty good for me to come you know I was just doing my own thing in Sweden just trying to figure it out to to get that sort of training off the bat there and you know kind of keep it to that standard now mm. sweet mm. and while we're talking about um, Tony Corelli would you care to enlighten us on a story about one of my previous interviewees JJ <laughs> uh, yeah sure <laughs> so part of what we do in the park you know once the boys and the cats have built the jump and done a great job with that the jump's been tested and we want to make it a little bit more presentable for competitions or photos we'll vert cut the sides uh, we basically get this big vertical shovel stand up there and so this is the side of the takeoff ramps. yeah yeah okay. yeah yes yeah. so you got the takeoff and the lip and the flat flat top and we do the the sides just basically what you can see you don't ride it it doesn't affect how it rides it just makes it look pretty pretty much mm-hmm. and we just done it on i think maybe jump three so it's kind of the pride of the big bucks yep and we're going up the lift one day and i might even like i think it was like the next day or soon after and we're like what is that you can kind of see something like being scribbled into the side <laughs> you can see barely from the chair we go down there and it's just the initials JJ. <laughs> and JJ at the time, I don't know if he was like 13, 14, like pretty young, you know, mm. he was the Cadrona Grommy. And I guess Tony got a hold of him and I don't know if he had heard at that point of people telling him that Tony was looking for him or, or what, but he, you know, you could see a bit of fear in his eye. <laughs> just fair enough have you seen Tony when he's a bit angry it's, you know yep yep <laughs> um, but he you know apologised and manned up took responsibility and it was just kind of left at that but mm. so no passes were taken or nothing then I don't think so but that was, you know the threat was probably there yeah yeah. and now as we know the fear was there and you know just wanted to mm. let him know we're serious about it like so and what was the one about the uh, German team doing yeah. something similar? So we must have winter games on. Uh, there was a German, I'm pretty sure the German ski team or 
this international German snow, ski and snow team. And uh, same thing, going up the chair. And I think we caught them in the act. There was like some people scratching something into the thing. Why don't we jump two this time? And as you get closer, you realize they just scratched in this big cock and balls <laughs> on the side of the jump. We were like, you know, immediately yelling them, oh, wait there, right, right. Just luckily, just one or two of them stayed there. And we get down, and Tony's just kind of, you know, letting them know <laughs> what's up. You can't do that. We're going to take your passes, righty rah. And I think the coach might have turned up at that stage. And then, yeah, we had to radio patrol to come down because uh you know they've got the authority to to take passes yeah and there are international ski team that should know a lot better than to be messing with with that especially if we're gonna have an event like it's pretty bad we don't really want to pick cock and balls on the side of a jump mm. being live streamed yeah. across the world <laughs> <laughs> you know it's it's not a good look no uh so basically they got their passes taken they're all pissed off and left and i think they went back to wanaka and in the same day came back all the way to Kadrona. Found, tried to find Tony in his office and dropped off um, like a gift basket of German sausages and cheeses and things. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> and I think he just kind of took it and like, oh, cheers. <laughs> no passes given back. No just, passes yeah, given yeah. back. Fuck, Tony, we miss you, bro. Yeah. I mean, fuck, those dudes were kind of rowdy too. I remember, um, I won't say names, but fuck, I think it might have been the year before you joined the crew. They yeah. they all went out for one of the notorious staff parties. Yeah, and I remember just walking through the st- the old staff room, and Corelli was nowhere to be seen. I think he'd seen himself home somehow. Mm. But the rest of them, like there was the time that was the year that they had the Anthony the Grummet guy. Uh, yeah, was it Piggins? Piggins. Yeah, and he was they'd thrown him up on top of the lockers. And the rest of them were standing on the other side, picking up people's boots and just chucking them at him. And like he's just getting pounded with ski boots and yeah. snowboard boots, and and none of these boots belonged to anyone that they knew. This was all instructors' shit. And yeah, everyone was staring wide berth, and it was. <laughs> and then he gets pulled down off the locker, crying about how no one loves him or some shit oh, like no. this. And oh, that's like man, this is hectic. And then heard about one of them like. There's some competition in the pipe, and he fucking goes in and ollies off the fucking deck right to the fucking flat of the pipe, and just just carnage and shit, eh? And like, it was kind of pretty raw. And yeah, there's some good hazing. Wow, mm. rough hazing. <laughs> we, we the, the the rookies have been pretty lucky the last couple of years. Yeah, they don't know how good they have it, eh? No, no. Mm. no. I want to sort of ask what goes in the park building, Matt. I think uh, a lot of us have. Ridden the creations don't really understand the process for getting shit built. Yeah. Uh, yeah, heaps goes on behind the scenes. So basically, you know, you got to start with the design. You can start with the pen and paper and that. And, you know, think about the area you've got, what'll work. You've got to think about the run-ins, the landings, uh, the flow in between the features is pretty important. What features you have to work with. And, you know, is it going to be safe? Mm. Is it going to be fun? Is it gonna, you know, have a lot of trick options, and uh, so yeah, a lot of that's you know early preseason sort of stuff, and then the building, you know, it takes hours. There's a lot of digging, it's a lot of heavy work, a lot of heavy lifting. Yeah, a lot so of, example of the heavy lifting, 
you guys are loading stuff onto groomers to be taken up there or yeah it's getting a lot easier now we've got fork sleeves and a lot of the rails and the newer machines have the switchblade forks that, which fold out and oh, they yeah. can pick them up and move them but it's pretty hard for them to do very precise movements so and we will still have to hand manhandle them a bit to get them right. into place and that's like every hand on deck can be yeah uh, sometimes it's a bit too awkward to have lots of people yeah so it might just be a couple of people each end yeah yeah and this is normally done at night time yep yeah no like like we'll be doing soon which we're pretty looking for, yeah really looking forward to uh for the early season the resort will be closed so we can do it in the daytime yeah but besides that basically when the resort's open it's evening so we'll be out there in the dark with head torches right and kind of working thing. through till it could range from you know if we're doing a couple of hours it could be a couple of hours if it's a big build that needs to be done um we'll be there midnight plus so generally try not to do that these days mm. you know plan ahead and do a bit at a time but i'm gonna say yeah. midnight in the middle of winter up there outside it's kind of a bit of a but a tough deal yeah yeah you know sometimes the job's just got to be done and it could be windy could be snowing you know and it's a lot of liaison with the groomer guys that sort of thing yeah yeah well, it's one big team yeah you know it's not just us as well the, the cat drivers do a massive amount of work and uh we've got to try and fit it in with their schedule as well if they have other things on mm. so who's involved with the design is it strictly the park crew or are you guys working with like local riders or international riders or most of the time it's just the park crew um you know i'm happy to we're all, well, we're all sort of happy to talk with other people about yep. it as well um with the riders uh like jossie has his comp up there yeah and you know try and involve him as much as we can yeah so normally would hit him up like hey what are you what are you thinking because he's got the big air you know that's a big air jump so taking care of the mini pipe uh they might want a few features in or something so you might talk about some ideas but then the rail jam is more it could be almost anything yeah uh, with the the area we have and you know we want want it to be what he wants and what's gonna be good for the riders so mm. and do you get some pretty left field requests where you like not just with anyone in general when you're like holy shit how the hell is that gonna work uh yeah from just random people for sure like jossie's pretty chill he, mm. he just wanted like stock features that you know any all the boys can hit all the crew can hit um and do lots of tricks but of course lots of people have out the gate ideas that mm. you know as soon as they start talking you can kind of see there's not going to work because it's pretty easy to like you know let your imagination run wild and think you can just you know it's snow you can push whatever you want and make it happen but if you're not going to have any speed to hit it or if there's no landing or the transition's too tight or if the cat can't drive around or there's, there's lots of other things to work think about mm. and it all needs to work and if it's going to take two hours to shape it yeah is, is it worth it for that one feature yeah so what's it take to be a member of the park crew because obviously i've heard a lot of things in the staff room what do you guys look for for someone to join the crew um like you don't have to be top level skier or snowboarder but it is key to have a good understanding about park riding yeah um if you can hit most features and you're a hard worker and easy going enough that you'd get along with the crew and can uh let your ego go a bit so if people don't get along with your or don't like your ideas you can you know move on to the next one mm. because not everyone's gonna like each other's ideas or things aren't gonna work in that yeah mainly you know gotta be a good gotta work hard yeah and yeah yeah have a good understanding be pretty flexible 
with the hours mm. because you know competitions we've got to go up early to make sure it's ready for practice which is generally before the resort opens mm. every day we are out there before it opens but yeah it's extra early for those days and like I said with the builds mm. you know we try and give a good heads up but it's hard to pinpoint exactly what time you're going to finish yeah and are you guys out all just regardless of the weather you're out doing it yeah 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 like we you know like to keep the park to a very high standard so if it's snowing we're not out riding powder we're we're digging yeah bummer yeah <laughs> so that's a big thing if you think you just be riding all the time it's it's not quite that yeah, we yeah. definitely get our good days but there's a lot of work goes into it to allow yeah. so now going looking for um park rakes and arcadia shoots or anything like that ah uh, well <laughs> Not with the rakes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we mentioned Jossie before, and obviously he's sort of a name that's pretty synonymous with Cadrona Parks and his events that he does. Yeah. There's been um, a few other pros that you guys have worked with. Uh, yeah, well, he's probably one of the more hands-on guys because he's got his own event there. Mm. Um, but with the Winter Games and we've had Britain High Fives and Britain Open and junior worlds and all those sort of things we try and talk with the riders as much as possible yep especially you know well leading up to the build we'll you know hit them up with uh, some ideas we're having maybe um also talk about with some of the coaches and see what they think trick wise some things would work and that once we sort of lock in an idea we'll build it and then we try and do that quite a few days or a week mm. before the event so if something's not quite working, we can change it. So will the riders know what the course is, or they don't know until they get there that day? Most of them won't know. But, right. you know, there's always practices. Yeah. There, there's like one or two days official practice, mm. and we will try and like build it before the practice so they get more time if they're there. Right. Yeah. We want to see the best tricks possible. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the more time we give them, the better the event's going to be. Yeah. And the more hammers you're going to see. So... Were you around at spring camp when Sean White fucking smashed his face up that day? Uh, like I was working, but not that day. Right. Fuck, I'm, I mean, I, I was watching it from the base buildings. On yeah. The what was it? One of the patrollers like, described it as that. What's that Futurama character? Uh, Zoidberg. Zoidberg described Whoa. it as like that. It was like, holy shit. So the only thing I remember from that day, he fucked himself. But that fucking damn Bilzerian moron fucking showed up. And. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a surreal day. He, he fucking showed up, alright. There was. He showed up on the snowmobile wearing wraparound shades, a cowboy hat, and cargo shorts, and like a fur coat. Yeah. And we we're just like, holy shit, that's a lot to unpack right there. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's Chopper fucking set off the fire alarms, down, sent all the fucking dust down the quarter mile. That's right, they didn't land where the Chopper's supposed to land in the car park, eh? They were by patrol or something. Oh, they landed right in car park, eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... We want the park, and especially the slopestyle course, to be in the best shape possible for the riders. Mm. But one thing we can't take, like uh, manage, really, is the snow conditions. And this was in between kind of winter, spring... We'd had some slushy days, and that day seemed to be getting close to slushy. And if it gets really wet, mm. we can salt it, yep. salt the snow, and that will uh, kind of absorb all the moisture and reset. Yeah. Um, but if there's not enough moisture in the snow, then it's not going to work. Right. 
because if you think about a lot of people in winter and think of salt you put that on the roads to melt ice yeah but if the snow is wet and slushy it kind of creates ice almost not yeah. full ice but like a firm firm texture and we were live streaming because it's a world cup event mm-hmm. and i was on jump two with robbie from fis and you know he's kind of peeking out a little bit just like what do we what can we do and i was like well we, we might have to wait mm. a little bit and let the sun heat heat the snow up a bit just so uh you get to the point where we can salt it um so i think we managed to put on hold for like 20 minutes or so but we couldn't go much more than that because of the stream mm. um yeah it wasn't quite ready the snow still stayed pretty soft and but the event had to go on mm. and yeah Starley was going up on jump two about to spin backside could have been going back 10 or something but basically caught his heels on the lip of the takeoff oh no got flipped upside down just rotating all over the place fully extended like no grab looked like aerials kind of thing but dangerous more dangerous and I start running up to the knuckle and Angus from events is there just going he landed it as Starley does like, what <laughs> somehow I managed to get it to his feet and do some layback slide and just right away um, so that was pretty horrible that, that qualifies as, as a pretty rough event to watch but the um, the guys who managed to get away with it and do a good run you know they, yeah. they qualified and had finals so that night we decided to stay late and spray water on the takeoffs really water yeah we were gonna freeze them up hard and you know in the evening it was still too soft for the cats to groom it but you know the conditions are just horrible we can't do much about it but one thing we tried to do was <laughs> spray it basically with a hose Heath was up on jump two with a hose from snowmaking and then I was down to jump three with a few of the boys they are just like running back and forth with a sled to get water from the base building had to hand shape the whole thing water it and then just pray that it worked. Right. <laughs> we, were, we were there until like after midnight, I think. Eh? It was a massive shift. And yeah, coming in the morning, the forecast was for like good weather. So we come in the morning, it was sunny. And by the time they started practicing, it was starting to release a little bit, but just a little. Yeah. So it worked, basically. Right. So you could hold an edge. You weren't sinking through to your knees kind of thing and had an epic finals day, actually. Oh, man. Yeah. It's a stressful time. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> you know, it's like, the top riders in the world. We don't want to get them, like, don't want to wreck them off the jumps. Like, you sort of help us stop for seeing me, like, oh my God, is that the last we've seen of Starling? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was making, oh, there was like early days of his vlog. Oh, yeah? And, yeah, he wasn't too stoked on us. Oh, right. Fucking <laughs> harsh words. Yeah, he kind of <laughs> said some shitty words on his vlog about Kajorana, or like the setup or something. But then we saw him in a bar a year later or a year or two mm. later it must be like after party from another event and mm. he came and apologised and you know said he's real stoked on what we've been doing so mm, it seems uh, whenever around. he's back with his um, wee movies and stuff he seems to uh, be pretty stoked on what you guys are up to and yeah last year he was here he put out heaps of sick edits oh it was awesome mate. yeah, yeah. so mean to watch yeah that, yeah that was sort of some of my favourite things to watch mm. on, on the World Wide Web yeah so you guys got a long illustrious crew. Like, who's some of the crew that? Um... Um, yeah, I've been very lucky to work with so many talented, hardworking GCs over the years. Um, I remember a funny story about a well-known coach to some free skiers. This was at the time where Kevin 
Fournier was working. Yeah. Um, yelling at you guys, saying the the park wasn't good enough, and you really need to go to Keystone and check out Area Fifty One. You're like, well, <laughs> he runs Area Fifty One. So there's a lot of talent that comes through. Yeah, program, yeah, right? yeah. Like we've had, yeah, like Kev and Otto came from Keystone. Heath was in Heavenly for a long time. Yeah, we had Tony Corelli, like saying back in the day. Uh, I'm just gonna list off a bunch of names, pretty much. Danny, Jack, um, Pirate, Ross, James, Angus, Nick, Oscar, Mikey, Louis, Dylan, Alex, Topher, Ronan, and yeah, Tane, Gus, and Brent. Mm. And the cat crew has been awesome as well. Tom Campbell, most people out there listening will know of his yeah. his work. He Rest was, in peace. Yeah, true talent. Strongly believed in uh, testing what he built. Yeah. Which you know, when it's that big air, it's pretty pretty hectic. But yeah, Shaw, Dougie, Hamish, Oscar, Ali. Hamish Ruddle, John Melville, Scotty Shields, Kim, Joe. That's Cadrona. <laughs> Have you been put in a position, obviously you've got to ride what you built. Yeah. So have you been put in a position where you're like, fuck, I have to hit something that's out of my realm of what I'm comfortable hitting? Or? Uh, no, not not really. Like, wouldn't really want to put anyone in that position. Um, but I've had to test a lot of features. Yeah, and you know, pretty confident in what I could ride. I have I've never tested the beer, right? And I feel like that's something I'm not, I don't want to be the first person to do. Yeah, pretty much. And that's where Tom was pretty epic at. And then Jack Spence, who is boss on the snowboard mm. and a really good shaper. So yeah, so he's been pretty key. So say if those big end needs tested, that's something you'd pawn off to a guy like Jack. Yeah, sort of. or uh, kind of pro or semi-pro rider that mm. we're confident that you know can mm. test it without smoking themselves and give positive feedback mm. or not positive but just feedback yeah because that's the key thing is someone that needs to understand the takeoff and the landing crew members like part crew members would be you're well within your rights be like fuck it i'm not hitting it yeah like you know i'm park supervisor now i'm not going to make someone hit something they're not comfortable with mm. because i yeah i just wouldn't want to do that and i wouldn't want to see that either like yeah. i don't want you know people being super uncomfortable trying to hit stuff like if it's out of your out of your depth then um probably shouldn't be doing it kind of thing but as far as shaping it stuff you just need to having that good park understanding is what is key because mm. you guys have had to pick up a fair share of corpses <laughs> yeah. landings of um we work pretty uh closely with ski patrol a yeah. lot of if it's in the park we're basically the first on scene Mm-hmm. and you know clearing the path for other people to get around or closing features and then just trying to get as much information as possible to the patrol so they know what they're dealing with when they turn up mm. um, but testing I probably do more of it in Finland oh, and right. Sweden over the years because um, you know it's a smaller crew mm. and things we try and get things tested before uh, the resort opens which is the same as Kadrona you know a lot of it gets tested in the early hours like you know 8 o'clock in the morning so it's the first thing you hit of the day yeah and there's one time in Finland it's my first season there and you know we had a cat driver that couldn't speak English so it's me and this other boy Marcus and he was my translator slash co-shaper and we built these jumps and the first day uh, we rock paper scissored who was going to test it and the first one was I don't know 12 meters or something um, so it's like 30 three feet or 36 foot or something um he he won so he decided to test it 
which basically meant the next day on the bigger jump I'd be testing that. And that day he was testing, it was, I don't know, minus 15, minus 20, like cold enough. Mm. The next day when we were testing the 14 metre, which, you know, it's only another six weeks, so it's like 40-ish foot, um, 45 or something, but yeah, so I had to do that and the temperature dropped and it was minus 30. And it was in a place that I didn't really know and the speed was always been an issue on that jump. And I did, the landing was kind of short, so I didn't want to overshoot it. And I didn't, really didn't want to knuckle, but it basically I knuckled it twice before I oh. got it. And <laughs> minus 30, first thing in the morning with stiff legs. It was, it was pretty rough. Oh shit moments, shall we say? Um, I mean, there's been moments where straps have broken when you wouldn't want them to. Oh yeah? Um, luckily, you know, not bad enough that it's caused a major accident or something. It might have been like a broken windscreen in the cat or or something like that but we try and plan things so it's like safe and nobody's in danger mm. um, I mean the wind's picked up people's snowboards when they're shaving and gone down the hill and that's a pretty oh shit moment yeah that's a box of beers that's a box of beers it's definitely a box at one point it's two boxes because it happened a couple times so yeah. these days we're pretty on top of that try and hold them down so there's something mm. about um, a no shit moment with Tom Campbell uh <laughs> Yeah, almost oh shit. It was more a uh, game of roulette that he sort of played with the weather. Oh, right. And this is a few years back. Um, must have been Winter Games, World Cup. And we turned up and, you know, the weather forecast was horrible, which a lot of the times it is for mm. events. And we come in and had to do the park check because, you know, the lifts were still running. The, the, yep. We weren't closed. Get up there and it had been quite windy and might have had a bit of fresh snow and Tom <laughs> happened to not groom the landings of the jumps that night and a big wind drift had come in between jumps two and three and we had to hand dig it out and there was probably like six or seven of us digging away while the riders turned up for the event and they wanted to test the features but we had to keep jumps two and three closed while we were doing that because mm. we didn't want to get smoked you know, while we're, in, we're basing the landing. And at the same time, we we're watching a death cloud come from Queenstown that was just black. <laughs> and yeah, it took us two and a half, maybe three hours to get that, that landing dug out. And basically, when you got there, the cloud got there and the, the white star got struck by lightning, I think. Yeah, yeah, there's like a full lightning storm came in. Fucking hell. You bastards are out digging some shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think when it started getting hectic, we had to ride down. For some reason, we ended up in Valley View. We must have had to keep going. Where we were going to go down to White Star, the, the guy struck by lightning, so we couldn't go on it. So we had to go down to Valley View, and then we waited until <laughs> someone come pick us up in a van sort of thing to take us up. Huh. But Tom Campbell's the man. I was yeah, lucky enough to work with him yeah. for like four or five years at Cadrona, and then he came with me to Finland um, oh, right. one of the seasons yeah. as well. So... um. Mm. Park etiquette, what's the biggest do not do things as far as um, riding in the park? as a, For public, like riding? Yeah, just as a regular Joe. Um, <laughs> basically, like, the snow code is pretty key. Don't sit on landings, you know, look before you're leaving it, all that sort of stuff. But a big thing is, like, don't cut people off. Mm. You know, like, if someone, if you think you're the best rider on the mountain, you know, you don't have to show people that just 
let people take their turn and all that sort of thing. Don't stand in the knuckle of the jump, like close to the landing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't be one of those parents that has their kids on a leash and like lets them kind of go around the park. Um, you know, start small. Go go to Little Bucks. Yeah. You know, start start there and work your way up. You, you don't need to be hitting the biggest things off the bat. So. Mm. I think that's pretty key. We we build parks for everyone. We got zones for beginners up until advanced. So, yeah, yeah. And um, so overseas travels. Um, where is park shaping sort of taking you? Uh, park wise, I've worked. Yeah, I was in Sweden in Hamaven for four seasons, and that was pretty sick because that first season we're talking about with the recycled features. Uh, the following year, because it was just me shaping. The following year, Jan Herker the guy I was talking about from uh, Porters earlier he came and me and him to the park for that season it was pretty sick same thing we didn't have park drivers we had uh, just local drivers and mm-hmm. there's a lot of time sitting in the cat and explaining things and oh actually that year we had Andy Scott now who was running the snowboard academy who uh, for the Swedes at that they'll know his name he's built a lot of the, the big parks and jumps early days um and then we we convinced the ski resort to buy us a bunch of rails you know right. we, we drew up a list we needed 20 features yeah we needed these 20 exact features and they come back saying we'll get you 10 I'm like, yeah that's sweet All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a lot of money mm. uh, we had nothing before so to get 10 new features was pretty awesome for the next couple of years so is it a bit of a battle trying to uh yeah to, like have a good reputable part yeah, yeah, it was a lot of work that goes into it and for them to understand how much work and also is it worth it for them, mm. which we thought it definitely was because, like I was saying, there was, there was no other park like that in the country and Hamarvin's taken off. Yeah. Uh, Yarn's still there running it and they have uh, lots of events. They've done videos and photo shoots with the Fat and Furious boys, which has been pretty sick to see. You should look that up actually if it, on YouTube. Fat and Furious. Fat and Furious in Lapland is pretty sick. Mm. Um, and yeah they've you know raised the level up from when I was there kind of thing it's, yeah. Yeah, it's been really sick to watch and there has, has there been a sort of a swapping of techniques and ideas between yeah. s- sort of the Scandinavia parks and Cadrona and yeah. so on and so forth yeah for sure um, like yeah in Sweden we're sort of learning as we go and then at Cadrona I was working with these guys from America and Europe and mm. all over the show they've done lots of things so you know, I'd like to learn about takeoff building and uh, trajectory and measuring angles of jump takeoffs and landings. Um, so quite precise with it these days. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so what's the science that goes into measuring out the takeoffs and landings and that sort of thing? Um, you know, it's pretty key. Uh, the top couple of meters is a similar angle. Yep. You, you don't want the last foot being steeper than what is back behind that, because you're just going to late pop and it's going to send you upside down or something when you don't mm. want to. And, you know, it depends on your run-in and the compression before the jump. You can't have it too steep if it's quite fast in between. And then you need the landing to match. Yeah. You can't have a super poppy jump to a flat landing. And you mm. can't have a super flat takeoff mm. to a steep it's, landing. Your jumps now are sort of more true tables than the step-downs that I remember. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And so there's been a lot of earthworks in changing that around? Yeah, there's been a lot going on this summer but it's um you know learning over the years what works for what tricks yeah because the sports progress so much 
you know, if you look at photo shoots from the magazines in the early 2000s, it is like a big step down. Yeah. And it's kind of wedge. And it was almost more effort for the writer mm. having to throw themselves into it. But with the way it's built now, it's less effort and but also safer. Yeah. You know, like if the trajectory matches, like the takeoff to landing, if you do bail not like you're going to get away with it every time but it's a lot safer you're going to it's going to put you in the landing yeah yeah one way or another yeah the knuckle should be a little bit more gentler as well you know a huge wedge to step down to knuckle is horrible Uh, so is there a bit of a difference in um, culture with uh, park building in Scandinavia compared to New Zealand Uh, yeah well I can speak on what we do at Kadrona compared to where I've worked in Scandinavia Kadrona is obviously a big established mountain been building park for a long time with a big crew for a long time um so it's a lot different in how many hands we have on board whereas where i worked in hamarvin like like i said is uh i started by myself and then we slowly built up to were you guys actually starting from scratch over, over in uh it was, it was close it was close like they had a run sort of dedicated park it was like half a run compared to where we ended up and then they had a few features like uh, they had some old boxes that were like built from scrap and some bought ones from a company called Scandinavian Shaper who's pretty big over there they build tools and features um, but basically they uh, gave me a snowmobile license so I'm officially allowed to drive snowmobiles over there <laughs> just threw one at you yeah well you know they paid for it I um, had to do it was like a one day or two day course or something and then went out with patrollers for a day so they can actually teach me how to ride the thing <laughs> uh, it was pretty fun yeah still still a good time riding sleds so basically they gave me a snowmobile with a trailer I could put features on and just drag them around and set them up myself and try and convince the cat drivers to help me out so being up in sort of the uh, I guess the Arctic Circle was would there be a whole other set of challenges running a park and as opposed to down here in NZ, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's yeah, massive temperature difference. So what? What's what sort of temperatures are we looking at there? Coldest have been is minus forty. All right, without the wind. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wind chilled, like yeah. If it's wind, you definitely don't want to leave the house at that that temperature. Minus forty is cold enough. Mm. Are people actually riding the park when it's that cold? Uh, it's not so common, but like you still get people on holidays. Oh yeah, you know it's like it's horrible weather, but it's your only time to ride, so people go out. One time it was minus, I'd say it'd be minus twenty-seven. If it gets to minus thirty at the start of the day, they can't start the lifts. Right. So one one day I was riding, it was like minus twenty-seven below. Yeah, not quite thirty, and I was going into a jump, and my goggles were freezing. <laughs> I was trying to wipe them, it wasn't working, and then realised on the inside, so I'd take the goggles off. And then my eyes started watering, and then I blinked, and then my eyes froze shut. Oh, fuck As I'm riding to jump, and just like <laughs> scraped the ice off my face, and then hit it, and then it's like, all right, that, you that actually, could be it. <laughs> you actually hit the jump with your eyes frozen shut. Yeah, I was a bit late to pull out, I think. <laughs> I had to go for it. <laughs> wasn't a massive jump, like, you know. Oh, no, but that's one of those oh shit moments, though. I was like, fuck, yeah, man, yeah. this is not ideal. <laughs> I built the park on you where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> And how about culture-wise over there? Is it sort of taken a... Scandinavia does have a long sort of lineage of like half-pipe guys with, you know, like a mm. Terry and all those dudes. So is that the same with park culture over there or is it... Yeah, well, like in Hamarvin, they used to have a half-pipe. 
I think where I work in Finland, they used to have a half pipe. Like half pipes, yeah, massive all through there. They had a lot of the world's best there. Yeah, yeah. like I say, at one at one point. Hmm. But we, yeah, where I've worked, they never had a cutter. Right. Uh, one season we handled a half pipe. Oh, yeah. it's taken back to the nineties. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty sick. That was that was heaps of work. There's me, Alan, and Jan, and then we a bunch of volunteers of locals and stuff would turn up. Um, so there was like a spot where they had a half pipe at one point. It's just kind of like this off, sort of off piece area, semi shaped like a like a ditch. I guess going down the hill, and um, I convinced management to let me take a cat down there or get the driver to drive down there, and. Yeah, they were <laughs> they were always a little reluctant at the start because they don't quite understand the projects we're sort of trying to take on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, got them to like just push, basically drive down the middle and then try and push some banks up the sides. And then we came in the next day and just handshaped it as good as we could, mm. built extensions. Would you say like the culture over there in park park riding is mm. sort of taking off, or is it? What was it? A bit of a slow burn? Um, it was. I don't know, there's always kids keen. Mm. Um, from the first day I got there, you could see, like, Alan had got there just before me in Sweden, and oh. they, he'd set a few things up with with some cat drivers, and, yeah, the kids were loving it. And they were real talented, like, you know, they they were quite young and just everyone spinning onto features and spinning off and just really natural, I guess, on their boards and skis. Mm. Um, so I was always quite blown away meeting some of the kids they'll be like one kid is like 10 years old this Norwegian guy Christian and the first year I met him he was just like kind of following me around and stuff and then uh, finally started like getting on the t-bar with me he couldn't really speak English Aaron jumps and I think I might have did a back five so he's like 540 540 he just started hucking front fives oh, yeah. he managed to break his snowboard and he's like this little 10 year old <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, watching him progress each year has been crazy. Mm. He's like 20 now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Rips. Yeah, cause I was going to say, it was um, interesting you compare that to New Zealand where we're pretty entrenched with, I guess, park riding culture. We mm. like pre, you know, well, I guess snow park. But we, even though there was parks beforehand, was, I guess it's kind of considered ground, ground zero as kind of that snow park area. Yeah. So initially we're probably behind here because over there you can go street riding. Right. They didn't need parks, you know. They, so the you know, urban riding over there is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, like some of my friends that's that's what they do. Yeah. You know, they just go on missions building like setting up rails in the streets, wall rides, like if you go to like Stockholm or like Helsinki or like Oslo, just any of the big cities when it gets snow. Mm. You can hit anything. Cruise everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so yeah. and oh, that's interesting. So I didn't even think of that. So that would affect. So that would be more popular than park riding, almost, just because it's right there and you don't have to buy a lift ticket. Initially, yeah, it's just got, got big consequences, I guess, the yeah. way. And you have to build it yourself. Mm. There's just a lot more effort involved. Like you need a good crew to build a decent, decent setup. Like, mm. um, yeah, I was pretty stoked. I hit a few features while I was in Sweden with some mates and that was it was heaps of fun it's quite quite eye-opening like how much effort you got to put in mm. like watching videos he's like oh that looks sick yeah, yeah i'd love to hit that I mean, it's a different culture around urban riding yet again that we're not really familiar with because we don't live in the snow the snow's mm. way up there and 
I mean, there was an era where like Mark Katzberg and Steve Ferguson, those dudes were like, you know, yeah, sort of taking it to town and sort of finished there with that generation, I think, too. Yeah, on these parts, anyway. Yeah, it was quite hard to be a cowboy these days and bring your own snow in his spots. Eh? Like, yeah, you probably get shut down pretty quick. Yeah, but, well, I wanted to talk to you about um, <clears throat> building a park and going from conception to completion. Like, mm. what what's involved when you when you come up with the idea? What's the process involved in getting it to fruition so you can hit it? Yeah, um, normally it starts with the discussion. Like, uh, just talk with the guys, see what they would like to hit. Um, and that's just within the park crew, or do you outsource from, like, other riders or some shit? Uh, or you could definitely ask people what they would like to hit. Yeah. Um, definitely going to events, talk to, like, the people riding, who are going to ride, like, mm. what they would like to hit and stuff. Um, but generally, yeah, it's just the park crew, just, you know, make it easy on ourselves to start with. Once you've got the full park in, you can sort of outsource. Right, but to make a full park plan that's all going to flow together in that, it's, it's better not to have too many ideas, yeah, like or just different ideas, because um, for me, flow is is really important. Yeah, like having a bunch of like crazy circus features, like the idea seems sick, but if it's hard to hit every feature on the way down, people aren't going to enjoy themselves. Yeah, or hard to get to each feature, or the landing doesn't work, or the running doesn't work, or just anything like that. So you got to keep it see my basic if you're building a whole park in one go yeah um yeah so people generally get ideas from previous places they've been or videos they've seen or things like that um but yeah to discuss it i generally get people to like draw what their idea is mm-hmm. because explaining something like their idea in their head could look totally different in my head how technical though like you they come at you with measurements and that sort of thing or does it really <laughs> depend on the person I, I work with measurements these days yeah I definitely try and keep it a bit like yeah a bit more tech and um, kind of precise mm. but I've been doing it a long, a long time now um, and because you know you've got to take into account the cat as well right so you need six meters either side of the feature if you want the cat to be able to drive past Right, so there's a lot of liaison on with the grooming department, or yeah. the cat, cat guys. Eventually, like, you know, I like to keep them on board as well. I'm always asking if they have ideas and, and things like that. Mm. But you always have to take them into account. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're going to end up having to shape a lot more. And yeah. then um, you don't want to have to spend too much time hand shaping, like so, just little bits that don't really matter. Yeah, so you guys would be more, once you're out on the snow, you guys are sort of more maintenance yeah. on the day-to-day. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you come in in the morning, do the check, be a couple of laps, smoko swaps, more shaping, lunchtime, more <laughs> shaping, and then uh, shut it down at the end of the day. Oh, sweet. Before the cat's coming at night. Sweet. So um, <clears throat> we'll take it back to the cats. So you liaise with the cat guys when you're mm. developing features, and where do we go from there? Yeah, um, so once, you know, we're also in agreement of what we'd like to build, um basically yeah, we have the design everyone's on board we plan like when we're going to do it um we've got to take the weather into account um just what's going on day to day like machines could be broken just whatever um generally we'll do it at night time so the mountain closes we'll go out like we have dinner and then we'll go out probably you know about six o'clock oh yeah with head torches and how long are you out before? Usually like till midnight sort of thing? Or? 
if we're doing a lot, yeah. like um, generally when we're starting off the season and, you know, we've got Mick Park, you know, it could be a few hours to get like a few things in. But then we do the move to like Stag Lane. Mm. It, there's is it nine or ten terraces there. Mm. And a lot of them have two features. So, you know, it works out. I think there's like 15, 16 rails in there. Mm. So you split that over two nights. So you might be doing like eight features a night. And those ones, yeah, you would be finishing around 11 mm. sort of not at night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all about efficiency. Like, you know, generally I'd help line stuff up, make sure it's all going to work with the machines, kind of give people tasks, like have people, you know, dig holes, set the feature in, kind of get the takeoff pushed, and then just leave a couple people looking after the takeoffs and then just move down to the next spot with the cat and basically just keep going just constantly so moving a you want a lot people. of hands on deck to put these features in to start with for yeah yeah well, if you're doing yeah. a big build like that yeah, yeah. Uh, so how about fabrication building so, the features so if you've got like a new feature well are you allowed to just build what you want for and you know say you got a, i've got this we want to build this kind of rail yada 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 can yeah. you could just go and fabricate or do you have to run through a process to get it approved by above or if it's going to cost money yeah 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 you got to get approved you can't just go buy steel yeah um, it's real expensive and these days with COVID it's hard to come by like it just takes ages mm. to get it delivered and everything um you know if we're using scrap steel it's a bit different which most most rails that could run is scrap oh so it's a recycling thing yeah 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 <laughs> sustainability that's mm. what we're all about. Um, if you remember the big red down flat down rail, yeah. it hasn't been in for a big while. Yeah, um, it was in Winter Games a couple of years ago. We had like started off with these two up and overs with a big lift tower going across and a tunnel going through. Mm-hmm. If you went up and over, you could either hit, I think, the donkey, maybe a down bar. But if you went underneath, you would go to this massive takeoff and it was a down flat down rail. Um, I'll find a photo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that that was made from road barriers. Really? When you drive up the hill and you'll see steel road barriers just poking yep. out of the, the ground. Yeah. Holy bunch shit. bunch of those recycled. Heath, Heath put that together. Oh, he's a pretty, pretty clever guy, yeah. Heath, eh? I spent a fair bit of time grinding that <laughs> to make it slideable. <laughs> he, he welded it together. Then, yeah, I was yeah, doing the offside work, just uh, buffing it out and then painted it. Mm. Um, but it's pretty sick that you know, if, if the steel's good enough, you can bring it back to a good enough mm. surface to slide your snowboard and skis over. So when um, we finished building the park, then uh, or if we just finished, you know, if we've done a built a new feature, if it's a bit like risky, like has mm. some consequences, we definitely test it. Yeah. Um, we want to make sure it runs smoothly. So is this a game of Rochambeau between you guys then? Uh like it. <laughs> it used to be sort of like back in the day. These days are a bit more careful. Like, I'm not going to send my first year rookies that mm. I don't think would be well up to it, like off the bat, mm. because you're either doing it at nighttime with yeah. a head torch, yeah, and <laughs> you can't see hardly anything, or first thing in the morning. Yeah. So you have to be very confident you're going to be sweet. Yeah. Um. So like back in the day, a few years. Well, it is back in the day now. It's probably ten years back. The cannon, the OG cannon, the big black one that mm. used to be in all our slope style courses. Um, you know, that's like a 25 foot gap off. Mm. It's an eight meter rail. And yeah, we'd set that up at night. 
and yeah, when Kev came on board, I think probably Otto as well, they yeah would get the cat to light up the couldn't didn't even till the land, just like buffed it out with the blade. It's quite rough. Tilled the run in, and then um, yeah they'd hit it with a head torch <laughs> in the middle of the night. Yeah, I think we had snowmobiles lining up the landing and that and right. yeah. Boys, I mean, that's a lot of faith and a lot of things right there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see if I can dig up the video of Kev doing the front three off at a night time. Sick. <laughs> it's pretty epic. <clears throat> We're hitting the spring now, and so there's maintenance a bit different in springtime. Because obviously the snow's trying to leave the mountain. Yeah. You know, as temperatures rise, is there a bit of a difference of a technique or anything? Yeah, it's a, it's a huge difference. Like, for a lot of people, they long for spring they can't wait to, to go ride the park in the slush and it is sick for the park crew it's a massive amount of work to keep it in good condition um i mean you see like if you've ridden at any resort you'll just watch the legs start to get exposed and things mm. melting away the takeoffs are getting smaller um so yeah it's a lot of work just to keep it alive pretty much mm. um if it's a really warm spring or a few years back we had to dig trenches just to like flow the water somewhere else like out of the park Jesus it was, it was pretty gnarly and <laughs> so where were you trenching the water to? Uh, just away from the features right like not oh, not the race course oh right wink wink <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but basically yeah like you just come in and the, it's normally the afternoons you know it's the, the peak of the sun and you notice like just little like puddles forming and stuff so you just get a shovel and dig mm. it's like being at the beach you know and just like just leaving the water somewhere else yeah right yeah. <laughs> damn um, so yeah there's a constant maintenance so does that result in features being closed for longer while things set up again or yeah yeah so yeah salt gets involved mm. with that so um obviously when the roads are frozen or like footpaths people salt it Mm. To, to mount the ice yeah um so it's quite weird it does that and then also we use it to sort of freeze almost the snow right so when there's a lot of moisture in there and there has to be a lot of moisture in there otherwise it won't work we can um yeah you have to build it first you don't mm. want to salt before you start but yeah rebuild everything which slush is quite easy to work with it's um mm. to make good shapes with anyway but a lot of effort to move once you've got it looking good and you're happy with it you salt it mm. and you leave it for like at least five minutes sometimes it takes longer and then it'll be like solid and it's good to go so you can make any shape like yeah always like build a cube just to show people and if you just stand on it's gone mm. but if you build that cube and salt it leave it five minutes you could put your whole weight on it yeah like, it's pretty pretty awesome it works, eh? yeah yeah but if you do it too early you'll ruin the snow oh right if, if there's not enough moisture in there it'll um kind of eat away at the moisture and just turn the snow to like sand right and then uh then you really have to shut it down <laughs> <laughs> and people generally pretty understanding about that yeah i think oh. it's more common now people get it mm. and there's just there's more people that understand it that can tell people mm. so like antlers jump line if you go to kajarani any day you'll see a massive line there mm. um so when we're soldering basically whoever's doing the first jump just has to yell at them like we're salting it's going to be five to ten minutes there's be a lot of confused looks but then normally someone will be there just explaining like what's going on um and it's you know it might suck you have to wait or you miss it that lap mm. but you're going to have got to ride it for the rest of the day 
yeah, and there's always another lap, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. We're not doing it at three o'clock, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was interesting what you said before about flow. Talk They're about. all kind of separate, but like stag lane flows. Yeah. So there's like big bucks. So, so they don't all flow together; they flow as their own things. Sort of like if you're a good enough rider, you can flow it together. Yeah. But yeah, you're going from the last jump in big bucks, which is like 65 to 75 foot mm. to the first jump of antlers which is well, i don't know 20 foot or something yeah, you know yeah. so you have to obviously have to tame it down a bit mm. but you, that's where you get the drop in every breathing space and and that but matt um you've been riding cadronas park for a while even before you worked in there is there some favorite features from back in the day yeah of yours for sure um i've I think I've been riding almost since the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe not since Ewan's days, but uh, um, yeah, I'd say originally my favourite feature was oh, it's a toss-up between Doctor Evil and Big Ted. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just because they were the biggest features at the time. Mm. Like you know, you had Little Ted. Once I figured that out, like basically, I never used to do fifty-fifties. Mm. I grew up skating and board slides. Are just I used to board slide a lot more than 50-50 So figured out a board slide, little Ted, and then you had to step up to Big Ted, which is like a meter and a half gap up mm. onto it, and then like a three meter drop off or something. Yeah. And there's no progression. That's <laughs> you're mm. going from like thirty centimeters to like up two meters up in the air. Um, so conquering that was sick. But then the feeling of Doctor Evil when you got that, you're pretty stoked. Yeah. Just that big ass rainbow. I never stepped to Doctor Evil, apart from like using it as a wall ride. Yeah, yeah. But not, not even the snow drifter rail jams. No, no. I guess even. that was yeah, yeah. a fair bit after. That was, yeah. that was well after my time. Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, Big Ted, like, you get something that, like even a fifty-fifty on that, like, yeah, yeah, that was fucking satisfying. Yeah. Um, is there that. some uh, features now that uh, would be a couple of favourites? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to choose. We have a lot up there. Yeah. yeah. Um to name a few uh the power rail which is basically just a down rail it's nine meters long about two two and a half inch diameter mm. and yeah that was the first long decent height long, long down rail we had and you, yeah just you do a front board on that you're pretty pretty pumped mm. back lip just anything you're just locking in and if you spin out of it like you hold that press or something that's good and then the down flat down that's mean that's 10 meters long um yeah four by two by four again uh, same thing it's, ah, it's just like jumping any feature you always don't <laughs> get to the end of it and get different tricks um mm. but the new one this year was pretty fun this uh rainbow down that oski and jack built that uh was recycled from another old rainbow oh yeah yeah that's part of the uh bird and bell of the bubble so what was this Battle of the Bubble? So Battle of the Bubble was the concept of a online competition. And it would be Cadrona versus Threadbow. Okay. So it's kind of a head-to-head park battle with the sort of design and build. Also would have to film and edit. Well, unfortunately, COVID kind of took over and shut down both the mountains for a while. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it comes back next year. Sounds like it's on the cards. Mm-hmm. Um, but also it was for public right so anyone could film anything on any of those features use the hashtag use the I think it used the GoPro app and then um, yeah it'd be in to win 
oh they had like five grand prizes and snowboards and stuff from GoPro and Yeti is yeah mm. cool concept yeah did, uh, did, do you know how you guys went this year or well uh, it, COVID just COVID kind of yeah yeah mm. and the weather didn't help us oh yeah like I think I ended up drawing up like four different concepts mm. because we had our big plan yeah. which was going to take up pretty much the whole like lower antlers alley mm. and there's going to be flow lines like, all over the place and then there was like a backup both yeah there was almost it was one big zone but if you put it in halves there were like mm. two different backups so was that just because of the lack of snow at the start of the season yeah 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 so is that an issue quite often where you like got these ideas you're like fuck we've got like a third of the snow we need more more for events okay because generally if you're just building something you, you know how much snow you have and you can mm. like work with that but if you've got an event coming up and you want to you know do your best idea possible and there's a lot of snow involved and you're like oh we should be right for august yeah. we should we should be right by september <laughs> yeah, but yeah, like yeah. you know maybe the snow doesn't come so you have to get quite creative if there's snow <clears throat> somewhere and the cats can get there and it's not too much emission mm. so obviously diesel costs a lot of money um then you have to like tame it down mm. which we had to do in this case so i started off in antlers alley and then i was like had another concept for the lower part of stag lane and then i had to end up going to the top of the park just because at least we could get snow there yeah still came out sweet yeah it's kind of a combination of all the ideas just put into a different place so. right and i wanted speaking of park battle i want to talk about the new zealand snowboarding park battle yeah and uh I think I've uh, talked to Jack Spence, and uh, I've already uh, mentioned on JJ's episode why uh, JJ and myself feel like you guys haven't won. Yeah, yeah. Because you didn't listen to our trick requests. You um, put them in earlier. I'm sure I did. Anyway, can we talk a bit about the park battle and how it, how it's been for you guys and how that all yeah sort of works works out? Um, yeah, it's really cool interesting way to like just to interact with the other mountains because mm. um, before this park battle were you guys in contact with the other park crews or anything like that if you knew them yeah you know like if I went to a mountain you saw someone working and you might stop have a yarn or something but yeah we're you know we're all busy in our own places that yeah. it's not like you're always at the other mountains yeah like unfortunately I, I don't get around go I haven't even ridden in Ruapehu yeah yeah I would love to get up there, but yeah, so the guys up there I don't really know. I've met a couple of them now, but yeah, it's just a good way to, you know, a bit of banter mm. between the parks and good way to just, you know, show New Zealand what we will do. So basically it was a photo competition and a video competition and it was judged by just the public on, mm. on Instagram through New Zealand snowboarding. Yeah. So the first couple of years, um, we were pretty busy with winter games around that time oh yeah because i think it was in august yeah which is our event time yeah so we didn't really have time to like film which is i was a bit of a mission that um i think it might have been the first year i think yeah the first year we just we filmed it in a afternoon or something and luckily uh danny Worley from marketing put it together for us oh yeah yeah so that was was that the one where you guys were sessioning the groomer at night time or something uh, yeah, it was that one, actually. Yeah, right. Yep, so the, the daytime footage was the afternoon, and the night footage was the same day. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> Shit, so you guys put it all together right then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it wasn't planned. Mm. Like, we, we planned to do something, mm. and nothing was really organised, and then he, we were having dinner, I think, in the staff room, and Heath pulled up in this old old cat, the 320, Yeah. and he had a rail just, like, uh, strapped to it. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? And he's like, oh, I just thought we'd park that up on one of the jumps, and you guys can hit it. <laughs> worked out sweet <laughs> yeah there's this red hanging rail was like five meters long set it up on jump two and antlers oh yeah yeah I'm proud so you sort of pop over jump one and then hit that and we had limited lights it was like the head torches on the first jump just so you could get over it yeah and then the cat lights I think yeah, the three tuners lit up and another cat was lighting it up as well right yeah it's pretty dark on the landing <laughs> yeah oh, big death spikes sticking out the side how good was that I think we I don't know where I've talked about it before but um, I really did like the Mount Hutt one that won that first year mm. and the fact that they got into trouble was even better yeah yeah <laughs> yeah their one was sick pretty mm. raw yeah um, what they had was an Iron Maiden the first year maybe something like that yeah yeah i mean the the guy throwing in the hammers was like oh it's on yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so it looked like those guys had a bit of time to film so that's there was like this sort of difference i yeah. guess um but yeah they were sick writers and there's a lot of mm. um multiple p- people hitting the same features and it looked real fun yeah like it made you want to go snowboarding it was it's a good effort mount hut mm. they're always putting in solid uh solid edits has, has that been the recurring theme for you guys the whole time it's just like oh just we have to do that today sort of thing like, yeah like the last couple of years like I asked Jay if we could move it to I think September mm-hmm. you know things are sort of easing off and a bit more time after the event season because the I think the second year we're even busier and we had uh, winter games on and it was just massive builds and then things just going on we just didn't really have time to, to ride and film and after we had the finals like I think talked about this earlier where um, you know the jump wasn't working we had to spray water and stuff so we're up there until one in the morning yeah so the next day we had finals smashed that out once it was done we packed everything down and we're like all right let's film (laughs) (laughs) we we survived Um, you know after a stressful night and then all the work paid off and we had a good finals all right, so let's uh, let's get some shots for this uh, park battle. So got some daytime shots, and then we decided to uh, session the. It was like this big drop in into a berm into a bridge, the Montreal Bridge. We had a rainbow rail and a battleship into a quarter pipe, which loops you underneath the bridge into a sea rail. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And we, you know, after the Winter Games, we we had to destroy it just because it was a bit hectic for the public. It's just yeah. like be chaos. We're sending you one through there so we had one final session on it at night and uh, always the sun was going down and I think Shaw was getting some drone shots and stuff and we were all trying to hit it at the same time oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> it worked out pretty sweet just got another one not really planned everyone sort of had an idea what they might try and just try and keep it out of each other's way oh yeah yeah <laughs> like herding cats <laughs> a little bit just go for it see what happens and that worked mm. out but didn't win <laughs> still haven't won but we'll get there Speaking of Heath, we mentioned him before. He's got a, a guest question. Yeah. Uh, Heath uh, Richmond would like to know, is Pirate Dave faster as a jockey or a horse? That <laughs> must go back to the rookie race thing we were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. The old rookie racing. Pirate Dave. 
I wasn't there when he was the horse. That was the year before I started. Okay. But I'm sure if you all go look online for old news, uh, nznsnowboard.com edit, whereas the day in the life of the Kadrona Park crew, yeah, um, he gets raced. I think that the other one is down the dropping of the the big air. Okay. But well, I'd bet him. Sweet. <laughs> 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 Maybe come, come back for a rebash, Dave. We got heaps of rookies for us to race. <laughs> Oh man! Well, should we talk about Heath for a bit? Cause he's been quite a fixture in, in the park crew, and I'm pretty sure he was the first skier on the park crew, mm. which was a big deal at the time. Um, you got a couple of Heath stories that <laughs> yeah. our listeners would enjoy. Don't know where to start with Heath. Um, oh shit! There's a lot. I mean, what his idea of a day off is to run up and down Mount Aspiring or some shit while building yeah. bike trails and. Yeah, for uh, someone that's known as a park builder, he he's all about that big mountain and uh, bike somewhere, hike up, and then ski down, mm. even if it is horrible snow. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's a machine. Mm. Um, yeah, like I was saying earlier with the scrap metal, a lot of those rails we have, they've built over the years. He's just put together from random bits and pieces that have been left over from old features, old fence materials, and... Right. And things so anyone that rides Cadrona Parks owes Heath a lot. Yeah, thanks Heath. He's a yeah, really good dude and motivated and very creative when it comes to building things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bit competitive, Heath. <laughs> well, you, you see when his, him and his brother Emmett hang out. Like um, yeah, how's about last year when the NZ Ski uh, challenged Cadrona to an ice hockey game and got them got their asses whipped. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody expected that, especially <laughs> us. I'm pretty sure NZ Ski were going in pretty confident that they have the ice rink after all. Yeah. And it was, I think it was a long occurring um, event they had. I think it, was, it might have been Coronet vs. Remarks. Mm. And they reached out last year to see if Cadrona TC wanted to battle them. And there was a, well, the Cadrona dudes were a bunch of just mishmash fucking. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I played, I hadn't played a game of hockey for like since high school <laughs> like we we had a couple small games like mm. third of a rink a few years ago but this is full rink not up to fitness my lungs were bleeding all my stairs <laughs> that was just hectic i got there late had to mm. just go to the changing rooms and grab whatever i could and then just like straight out <laughs> by the time i got there it was uh i think it was like 2-1 or 3-1 it was like halfway through the first period mm. And I was like, oh, fuck, we're already losing. And then someone was like, no, no, we, we're up. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was just like, real confused. <laughs> Speaking of mixed match with the, the people playing, Carly Parker was in the Pingy costume. Yeah, and, and Pingy had a fight with the care and shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sound like that got a bit out of hand. She wasn't too, you know, she went in lighthearted, just like slightly tapping down. Jack Fork spear tackled her and was like trying to hit her head on the ice or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I remember there's a video of Heath like checking someone and it was just a big grin, like yeah. like yeah. smiling at him before he checked him or some shit. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was starting to get out of hands. Like, like say we're up mm. and nobody expected it. And I think those guys, they, they started getting a little aggressive. But I mean, it's hockey, it's a contact sport. Mm. So I think at one point the ref had to get in and, and Sinbin someone and Heath ended up getting put away. Heath got put away. Yeah, he got put in the sim <laughs> But it was, it was quite hard to see what was going on. But I think 
someone got checked then I think it was maybe one of these guys checked someone from our team and then I don't know if Heath or someone jumped in and checked them and then all of a sudden it was kind of like a pile up and he was like getting pulling up and stuff and then I think Heath was like was in just like trying to break it up but it got like a elbow to the nose or something oh yeah so it was kind of a classic hockey look of the ref you know skating someone away while their face is bleeding <laughs> oh, but him and his brother are like real good at hockey yeah I mean, the, the ringers of, of the game yeah I couldn't believe it when I heard that Cadrona won so I was like yeah. I did not expect that to happen it, we're all surprised <laughs> it was um, yeah. 9-2 or something in the end <laughs> holy shit they haven't yeah. challenged you this year <laughs> uh, there's, there's been talk about it I think again with COVID it's kind of hard to organise these things oh you wouldn't be able to get enough people because there was like 300 people in that crowd or mm. something it was crazy I was pretty hyped that um, the Cadrona crew um, used my chant of NZ who then I, I, oh, I, really? wasn't, I wasn't there <laughs> so, there, so there's this French dude okay yeah. uh, working in the rental shop mm. and he had this sign that was like yay Cadrona's like that sucks give it here yeah and um Changed it all yeah, to like, well, uh, uh, well, NZ who was on one, right. and then I heard that that was the chant as soon as like, oh, I was like, whoa, oh. that's sick. pretty ballsy. There was a lot more of them than there was us. I know, hey, fucking um, talk about going to the lion's den. Like I said, I got there a bit late, so I was waiting for the boys to bring the van down off the hill so I could get in and drive it over. Mm. And then um, when I arrived, I walked in. I was like holy shit there's a lot of people in here. it's just loud it's like, like I don't recognise anyone yeah, yeah. <laughs> just had to go through the mobs and get to the changing room see that small group that's your guys yeah yeah tucked away in the corner oh it was still a good turnout from Kadrona but like not even a third I guess of what they had mm. it's good support and um you got a pretty handy crew yep with you um turns out that uh, one of your guys is a uh, closet chess champion yeah, that's that was a pretty new one for me. Apparently, Jack is quite good at chess. I have to yeah. challenge him. Jack Spence, the chess champion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anybody out there know that? <laughs> <laughs> he was quite good at Halo back in the day too. I don't know if he's a champion or he, he was played it competitively anyway. Yeah. Best best trick you've seen Jack Spence do in the park? Ah, uh, that's actually really hard. He yeah. he rips. Um, well, he'd be like your jump guy, wouldn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's done. I mean, he go the obvious one that cab dub nine he did last year mm. is mean. Um, but yeah, I'm more of a style guy, so I'd say he's like back five shifties, double shifties. Oh yeah, mean. that been yeah. Yeah, he's had a few good shots. He's doing that on the big air. Fucking that hell. jump is huge. Yeah, I guess you got the time for it. <laughs> Why'd you only do two, Jack? Could have gone five. <laughs> Keep the shifties coming. Um, he'll go he'll he'll actually go and do it yeah (laughs) and then he had some like pretty good change ups on the down flat down I think he had like front one on cab two swap and maybe cab two front two swap and uh, we mentioned him before he's no longer in the crew but Pirate Dave was a bit of a fixture there for a while yeah yeah old Pirate he he was on the crew for quite a few years yeah Um, and yeah he was just all around ripper as well he had quite a like skate style He's good on skateboard. Skateboarder. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's mean back lips. Mm. Um, I think it was like a whiteout day. Me, him, and Otto, probably Jack as well. Like having to game a skate on this like little down box, Mm. and it was like switch back lips being called and stuff. And 
we all sort of got there and it was like I was like kind of surprised how easy it sort of came around mm. but then Dave just started doing them on down bars <laughs> not long after that he's like yeah pretty solid he gets it gets a trick he gets it on lock mm. does it proper and uh <laughs> you wonder, might wonder why he's called Pirate Dave yeah it's a pretty easy one he looks like a pirate <laughs> long hair massive massive moustache and a nose ring and he's always got a knife on him yeah it comes in handy we've got to like op- open those bags of salt and you can always count on Dave to give it <laughs> old not. pirate shiv eh? <laughs> and James who is now was I guess your competition at Threadbite <laughs> mad competition yeah. hate each other <laughs> um, yeah James James this is a good man um, worked with us for like I don't know six years or so I mm. uh, worked with me in Finland as well this, this previous season uh, well not this previous season they couldn't get over unfortunately um, the year before uh, yeah he's he's running Threadbow now which is pretty awesome mm. oh, pretty, sweet. pretty stoked from it unfortunately the season has just wow COVID takeover Australia's been a bit worse over there we're yeah. very lucky in New Zealand yeah um, but yeah good man he's always a hard worker and just mm. stoked to ride so and we can't uh, talk about the Cadrona Pike crew currently without yeah. uh, mentioning Matty Steele, Matty the grommet. Steel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're kind of an old crew at Cadrona. Yeah. I think quite a few of us over 30. Mm. <laughs> and then you Matty Steele. I always think of him as like 16 or something, but I think he's like 22. <laughs> <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he, he has to take a lot of shit from the older guys. It's, you know, it's pretty common in most most workspaces. Got a bunch of nicknames. I think his most proud one is uh, Steel Dragon sixty nine. That came about because well, he added the sixty nine himself. Oh, of course, <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> but I can't remember can't remember what he did to Gus. Um, but Gus decided to just plaster his helmet and his dragon stickers. All right. It's just all over, like, yeah. It's just there's no helmet left. It was all, it was more sticker than helmet. And um, so yeah, we just started calling him his last name Steel Steel Dragon. He's about as old as the long box. All oh, right. <laughs> I think, yeah. He's the same age as the long box. Almost. <laughs> I think we were talking about the long box the other day, and uh, I think I said it was came around like oh four. Oh, like, yeah. hey, I remember hitting the long box in 04 and he was like oh, it would have been about 3 then or something. <laughs> <laughs> maybe a bit older shut up Matty <laughs> <laughs> and he is a fetish for road cones by the sounds of it as well as chucking up on lift ramps <laughs> he's always going to be the guy that chucked up on the lift ramps yeah yeah. No, that staff day last year is pretty funny it's all part of the, the eyebrows game speaking of such things you guys play do some dumb shit yeah <laughs> <laughs> what's the eyebrows game so um, I don't know who originated it but basically it came about from you know people being talking too much shit the night before like building a feature or just in general about the park or something just claiming shit claiming yeah yeah you know had a few beers and talking about you know hucking sevens first hit off this new jump or variety ride and then you, you know next day just not not showing up like being there but you know not not showing up um so the eyebrows game came about that if you say something like you have to be quite precise with your wording mm. like i'm like tomorrow i'm gonna do this or i'm mm. gonna land this trick first hit and if you say it like that and someone says eyebrows 
if you don't do it, you have to shave a line in your eyebrow. Just just a small nick, but it has to be visible. If it happens a second time, like not the same thing, but like you claim something else hmm. and you don't do it, you get a second one. So it makes you look like Jonah Lomu back in the day, like number 11 right. in there, yeah. you get two lines. <laughs> and then uh, the third time, this is where you really don't want to be, hopefully you know, after the second you've learned your lesson, but if it happens the third time, it's just one eyebrow gone. <laughs> So do you think losing both your eyebrows would be weird but just one it just looks strange yeah <laughs> um, I don't think anyone's lost the eyebrows oh, so, the so Maddie still got eyebrowed to chuck up on the ramp then uh, yeah something like that <laughs> <laughs> there was no public there mm. um, yeah but didn't lose an eyebrow <laughs> <laughs> and um, game of odds yeah yeah that's another another game it's the one I don't normally get in on like the boys are you know if we're doing a build night or something and they need a bit more energy they'll be on the Red Bull or the Monster or whatever and uh, yeah, I remember like Oski and Ross and Howden and some other guy with Tim and that they'd always be like playing this game of odds where you know they're like oh what's the odds of you shotgunning that Monster which I don't think I need to explain what a shotgun is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, one person says a number mm. and then say, say it's 10. And then it's like one, two, three. And after three, you both say a number between one and 10. Mm-hmm. And if you say the same number, the person that got challenged has to shotgun it. Mm. If you don't get the same number, then you do it again, one, two, three. And uh, yeah, say the number between one and 10. If you get it that time, the person that challenged has to do it. Mm. So it kind of is a bit of a backfire. Um, either way, someone's just shotgunning energy drink, which is pretty horrible. That's <laughs> why well, I wasn't so in on it. <laughs> yeah. but, um, one time, I think it was after a staff party, we're all, it must be near closing days, the instructors like putting their uniforms away or something, and everyone's kind of feeling a bit sorry for themselves. And. <laughs> Uh, I think I hit up Tim, uh, German dude, who's a skier on the crew a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, just trying to lighten the mood, just joking. Mm. Well, I wasn't even serious about it. Um, hey, Tim, <laughs> what's the odds of you wearing that instructor uniform for the next shape? And then I was just like having a laugh. And then Jack's like pipes up, no, 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 you've got to do it. <laughs> you can't just say, you've got to do it. I'm like, oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Um, so we ended up playing and I think Tim Tim actually said Gentleman's which uh, is the same game but you've got one and two so it's one two three go and I think he might have said one I said two so he was safe mm. so we had to do it again it's like one two three go and I guess I can't remember if it was two or one but we both said it and then so it backfired on me and I had to wear this instructor uniform and <laughs> do a shape at it and it was pretty funny because no one expects the guy full red red uh, instructor uniform shaping the park so there's been a lot of questions that day oh right <laughs> yeah so the head of ski school wasn't pissed I'm like, what the fuck is park crew doing with nah that no, was, was one of the higher ups who, was, who said it was okay <laughs> like, hey mate do you mind if we borrow this just to do some shaping and he thought it was hilarious hey, just make sure you bring it back <laughs> <laughs> well we nearly got in trouble 20 odd years ago wearing instructor uniforms when we shouldn't have yeah right yeah we go into that story or can we 
Oh, your show. <laughs> so, well, this is 2002, and my supervisor was this dude, Dan, who, uh, he was pretty loose. Yeah. And uh, and we would do the lift-ups, um, fucking cover for the lift-ups and their lunch breaks, and this was like the last week of the season or some shit. Mm. And uh, we had a couple of instructor uniforms in the, with the lifter uniforms that we were using. And um, and this was when Solomon was sending skis and snowboards and snowblades to test to yeah, New right. Zealand. So we had a whole fleet and we had snowblades and we were always like, ugh, snowblades. Mm. And so anyway, Dan's like, come, grab the snowblades and come with me. I'm like, why? He's like, just, you'll love it. Like, all right, so we grabbed some boots and snowblades and went into the office. It's like, we're going to wear these instructor uniforms and we're going to go out snowblading. It's like, oh, we're what? Okay. <laughs> and it didn't take, it was like, oh, you know, this will be funny. It's like, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Maybe. So we were wearing instructor uniforms on snowblades, like, goobering around. Yeah. Like, like the park features, like, we'd stomp up the takeoff. Motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Clatter across the box. And then, you know, fucking twirly bird off the end and shit. And then we're, <laughs> like, doing, like, the Running Man, a version of the Running Man and all sorts of dumb shit. Like, you know, just really being complete fuckwits out there. Like, total goobers. You know, and, oh, my name's Brett, and I'm a snowblade instructor. Recommends me, you know, and ask, ask for me and all yeah. this sort of shit, you know. And we just thought we were fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um I want to specify that this is 20 years ago, so surely you can't fire me for this now. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently um, the head of ski school at the time uh, didn't share our sense of humour and was fucking livid and demanding to know who the fuck that was out there in the instructor uniforms on snowblades. And no one gave us away except for me right now. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that's a loyal, loyal crew you got there. That's a loyal crew. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So. I wonder how many, how many people came in for requests. I don't know. I, I, it actually would have been nice to be a fly on the wall because we were down at the bottom being like, yeah, like I'm Mac and John and, yeah, yeah. you know, reckon, you know, we do Snowblade lessons. Ask for us, you know. Maybe, maybe they weren't pissed off that you did it. Maybe they were pissed off they couldn't find you to give these lessons. <laughs> you know, all, all these people coming in for this uh, request private. It's a lot of money. I'm pretty sure that in, in the eyes of that particular individual, we had ruined the whole esteem of ski school right then and there. And, um, oh, we just thought we were hilarious, and I'm sure to a degree we were. Yeah. <laughs> sure they're laughing about it now oh probably not (laughs) (laughs) in fact i might have to dust off my cv after this one oh no 2002 yeah Um, long time ago long time ago long time ago sweet Uh, things were different yeah (laughs) it's pre-covid it was a different time it was a different time (laughs) And we talk about, I think we talked about the Birdman game earlier, but that's something that you guys seem to have got, I don't know, about <laughs> half of the Cadrona staff in on, which um, I guess you can't go into the rules too much. Yeah, I, I can't go into the details so, too much about that. So we'll just, um, what's the worst Birdman that's been pulled on you? Well, the most dangerous one, which we don't do anymore, we call that Switzerland. Yeah. Uh, I was on jump two in Antlers Alley. And basically, Elliot had uh, Birdman me, mm. 
so I had to lie on the ground and as I was like going down a bunch of a pair of skis went flying past my face oh god because you know we were talking about before with salting jumps like it might have to wait a little while mm. so he was just keeping the jumps close but people were just sending it over the knuckles mm. so I was like oh, oh. well I'll try it again go down again same thing happens but it's like snowboarder or something this time I was like look mate this is bloody dangerous mm. but that's the danger zone but mm. I mean people have been done in bathrooms bar floors are just generally pretty scungy yeah that's that sucks car parks what, what about getting on the lift yeah that, that can be a funny one <laughs> someone gets you on the lift line and your mates go on the lift without you you just you're pretty gutted <laughs> and what's your proudest bird manning moment what, what's your best bird man oh. you've pulled on someone you know it's always a good feeling when you get more than one Oh really? Yeah, yeah. If you get like a hat trick or even more, sometimes it's you're pretty pumped. It's pretty easy to get. Wow, well, actually, everyone's on the edge these days. But could take advantage of being the boss and be like, "Yo, boys, uh, we're just gonna do something," and then they all turn around and. <laughs> 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 well, yeah. I mean, I remember last year was. Uh, uh, um, seen your Instagram stories about uh, someone putting a birdman out on you to keep the lifties occupied as the challenges. Yeah, it was a hit on me, and uh, and uh, I had to laugh to see just this Instagram story of just like lying down lefties just wrecked up. <laughs> One of them was dumb enough to hit me up about it. <laughs> like he, he probably ruined it for the rest of the. If he knew what the game was, he could have got me then and there. But yeah, he asked me what the rules were, and I'm like, well, if I tell you, you're in it for life. <laughs> I was like, well, all I know is I'm supposed to get you with one. And I was like, who sent you? <laughs> What's going on here? You find out the lifties have this like end of season game going on as a scavenger hunt, and I think you might have something to do with why they're coming after me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think anything of it. Sorry. Yeah. So That's like right. the lift supervisors were trying to keep them more occupied. Yeah. And. uh hit me up in the coffee shop. Oh, you got some challenges for my lefties. I was like, you know what would be funny is I didn't even think about what I was saying. It's like, get them Birdman Matt Slocum. <laughs> now they're all winning for life. <laughs> and their first taste was taste of snow as I got them with the Birdman. But I think, yeah, I might have taken off like nine or ten of them or something that day. <laughs> Just stacking them up. Yeah, one of them got me. You got me, Ryan. I'll give you that. Oh, is that Ryan certified? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I've been avoiding it all day, and then I think he made some like weird sound or something. I had to like look up at the lunar slope, and he's there peering down at me. Oh, Probably a very proud moment. Oh, proud moment for Ryan. Ryan Good on you. Ryan certified, man. He's, he's a crack up. Yeah. I've, I finally got one of his stickers. Oh, nice. Mm. It's a rare commodity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Cadrona's Park obviously has a very well received international reputation. Yeah. How does Cadrona Parks have this reputation? Like, how did it get it? And maintain it. Because it's harder to maintain a good reputation than to get one. Yeah, yeah. I guess initially word of mouth to Instagram to internet mm. stuff, but, you know, we, we build the best we can and we maintain mm. it the best we can. And the people, I guess, see it and write it. Mm. And like we all love to write it ourselves. And if things aren't working, we'll say we'll change it up. And so, so would it be right? And it really is a writer-driven park. Totally, by the writers for the writers. Yeah, 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 totally, yeah. totally. 
So do you spend a bit of time in the cat as well? Uh, not driving as much as I'd like to. Oh, yeah. But uh, I spend a fair bit of time kind of talking with the guys and planning things out. Mm. And, yeah, you know, second pair of eyes doesn't, you know, doesn't hurt. So Yeah. Mm. So any people supporting you? Uh, yeah, well, I've been lucky enough to been given a few things here and there over the years um yeah i'm not one for like really asking for stuff just mm. feel lucky enough that people have hooked it up and like adam at capital has been a gc and give me a bunch of soft goods over the years um yeah, and cheapskates has been supporting me for a bit uh sam andrews over at uh with mervin in australia it kind of started with bevan hall with uh buying a proform deal oh yeah and then I kind of wrecked it pretty early and then I had a few warranties and then those led into me breaking boards and this one was riding a lot and mm. I was going through three, four boards a season and then it kind of just, here you go, you can have a snowboard. All right. <laughs> it's like, sweet. Yeah, and that's morphed into um, GNU being put under your feet for a bunch. Also David over at, uh, with the Air Blaster and oh, right. Spy and uh, Space Wax. Oh, sweet. Get your space wax. Space support, wax. Support, support local, way. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rad. David and uh, Rhino. Oh, cool. Mm. And um, so how did the name Pickles come about? <laughs> uh, because of those boards. The Park Pickles? Yeah, yeah. Oh, um, I had quite a few of them, like I was saying. I was like wrecking quite a few. And I think it was uh, Henrik Harlow. He's uh, a pro skier, if people don't know, from Sweden. Idolo And... He has a pretty interesting style of skiing. It's kind of almost like a roll ladder, I guess. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Quite low, got dreadlocks, and you'd, you'd know him if you saw him. And he made an edit, and I guess we were having some park crew drinks or something, and one of the boys, Alex, had had a few beers and um, must have put it on, or was he telling the story about it? Um, but basically, we're talking about the last trick, mm-hmm. and um, he was going to hit the long box. I oh, must have been there shaping. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll let him hit it. Kind of got out the way because it just started. And he did some crazy, like, laid-back 360 slide, ski slide thing. Mm. And Alex is telling the story about how I was like, oh, I was trying to figure out who one of the crew was in there. And then it's just pickles sticking out. Because <laughs> the base of my board just had pickles. So <laughs> everyone fucking started cracking up laughing and it stuck. <laughs> <laughs> What's the craziest, um, craziest thing you've seen done in the park crazy right, thing. riding wise there's been a lot mm. I guess and it's kind of a memory that just gets replaced every season yeah and it's the ones that you don't expect I guess that'll stick out because were you there when that skier kid did the, like the four backflips <laughs> or some shit uh no I was there that day mm. uh, yeah that's, that's pretty hectic and I'm, I'm glad he's okay I, I wouldn't really recommend no, I mean, it's that. pretty wild, right? Right out to flat, double eject. Yeah, we lucky he caught the bottom end of the tranny. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and he's young and probably made out of rubber, so he can get away with it. <laughs> yeah, because I've yeah. definitely heard a few stories about people like overshooting, especially down that lower part where they used to yeah. shit like that. Um, yeah, like these days, like we build things a lot safer, and each year mm. it's getting better and better. Mm. Um, yeah, there's been you know injuries it kind of happens unfortunately I've, I've been through quite a few yeah but yeah if you watch any of the big air competitions um, up there just the the level's insane mm. you know I've seen quad corks getting stomped 
Yeah. And, you know, uh, that crazy uh, switchback five method of... Uh, oh, yeah. Someone's getting... Was it Torgier or something? Yeah, Torgier Bergman. Yeah. yeah. So you mentioned you've had a few injuries. What's the what's <clears throat> the worst injury that you've had? Snowboard the wise. scariest one was probably 03 during that poly course. Yeah. I... Uh, yeah, we had the morning off and there was like a little dusting of powder and for me that was like an epic powder day. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> it's getting getting Cindy or what I thought was Cindy at the time. Mm, especially in that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a pretty horrible stuff, yeah. Um and yeah, a couple of mates said they were riding we found this good line a last shot bowl, which is above the white star. Mm-hmm. And I went over there and then saw this little cornice and I was like, Oh sick, I'm gonna hit that and asking the boys how's the landing. Yeah, yeah, sweet. Yeah, kinda looking different area send it land it kind of cruising well yeah getting bucked (laughs) basically and uh it's kind of like chandri sort of cookies and stuff in the run out and then caught my heels and then just got rolled for like 20 meters or something and hit like three rocks two in the back and one in the hand jesus and managed to flip over and stop myself from going any further unstrapped stood up fell over stood up fell over did that a few more times until I realized I had no feeling in my left leg. Yeah. And I was just there basically punching it and nothing's coming, no sense is coming out of that. Uh, one of the boys boosted down to get patrol while the other one was with me and I basically dragged myself down as far as I could get to make it easier for patrol to get there. Mm. It seemed to make sense at the time. And yeah, like I hit my hand and that was just like throbbing and stuff. So I didn't use that and I could lean on my right hand side on my snowboard just pushed myself down the hill and then patrol picked me up took me up there we were talking about getting me a chopper but that was too busy picking someone up from TC right so it was a bit of a wait and by the time there was a chance of getting it I was getting feeling in my toes and that was like two hours later where I could like move my toes and stuff and I was you know 17 and quite paranoid that was the end of me snowboarding or walking mm. but yeah a month of getting better and I was able to come back and pass my instructor's course. So, it's right. sick, so what but, was the damage? What's that? Uh, so my hand, I'd broken the metacarpal, and when they took my glove off, I had this bone just sticking up. Oh. It was funny. It was like 45 minutes after the accident that I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> my mate pulled the glove off for me, and it was like, fuck. And yeah, you can see I'm still only, I'm missing a knuckle. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, no way. It's double jointed yeah. since then as well. Fine. Um, yeah, so it looks like a punch someone apparently it's a boxing injury mm. um, but yeah the back oh, I've got a good chunk of the lower back it's got like nerve damage right so it's a bit of a numb patch but it doesn't cause any sort of discomfort these days right yeah it took a while to be able to put a lot of weight on that leg yeah like when I came back snowboard I couldn't run I could walk but and I could ride a snowboard as long as I took it easy and yeah fuck that's gotta be pretty scary though to like have a slam and then not feel your leg for a couple yeah, of yeah yeah yeah, like, like yeah, like I was in love with snowboarding and skating and <laughs> the use of my legs. Yeah, in general, that yeah, it was a pretty bloody scary time. But, mm, yeah, pretty stoked to come back. You're still skating much? Not as much as I should. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of the story of my life, right? Now, yeah, right? yeah. Concrete hurts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But that skating probably caused more injuries than snowboarding. A few concussions broken wrists I do remember a uh, fall from the top of the big bowl you were with me that day eh? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And 
did a fakie pop tart in the, the old big bowl at the six foot one got mm. hooked up fell down to flat to <laughs> almost the same place I got the nerve damage just like yeah. close to my back and it was like winded came up then I was like chatting with you and then kind of realised like, oh, I'll go home and then went home and uh, went to the toilet and pissed a fair bit of blood and that's yeah. kind of when I realised I fucked up <laughs> and yeah I had to get go to hospital in Dunedin well again they were talking about getting a helicopter for me when the doctor and the medical centre realised how much blood was coming out of me that was pretty painful but luckily no surgery needed or anything oh, like so that so what was the damage there? I had a 3 centimetre laceration in my spleen holy shit yeah which is quite big when you think about your organs yeah. it's like 30 mil um, yeah so that, I was just an observation for like two nights I think in the hospital yeah right holy yeah. shit so maybe I, I remember being there but I don't remember that yeah yeah <laughs> you know. yeah um, yeah nobody saw the behind the scenes <laughs> <laughs> Sweden it's been six years six years there now mm-hmm. and yeah worked with a bunch of good guys there and yeah we've held a bunch of events and similar thing we're just like building it up so each year is getting better and better mm-hmm. so if you're ever in Finland check out Iso Sueta in the north yep it's pretty close to Ruka but you should definitely go to Iso <laughs> over Ruka yeah so what was it like when you got there was it sort of pretty pretty primitive as far as park riding so uh, uh, not as right like the riders there are talented yeah like the kids they're, they're blowing me away over the years eh um like the groms even you know yeah the, the trick level is pretty insane because i guess they get put on snow as soon as they come out of the womb sort of thing they're just yeah. straight out there um and the park they had a lot of good park features but the the build quality was a bit different right um, i never been there before i was there so i can't yeah. say of myself but just hearing from the guys that some of the landings a bit flat the takeoffs a bit funny and some of the builds just a bit, a bit weird so taking stuff they learned over the years at Kadrona mm. and in Hamavan. Um, yeah, we used to build it up. Had a mm. fellow Kiwi, Dylan Sutton, working with me oh, yeah. there for a couple of seasons. It was pretty sick. Mm. And um, is there, as far as snowboarding goes, is there uh, riders that uh, have taken your fancy, both local or international, these days? Ah, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, like, start with the finish, like Rene mm-hmm. Renekangas. Like, seeing him ride live is pretty sick. He's pretty out of it, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like you're talking about Luke having an eye for like fun features. Yeah, it's the same thing with Rene. He'd be doing crazy cartwheels and yeah. switch back rodeo nines off hits while using a powder board or something. Eh? It's, right. Yeah, pretty sick. Um, then the local crew, like uh, yeah, all these they're not even up and comers anymore. But you know, like Zoe, Tian, mm. Steve's McGee's. Steve McGee's. Steve McGee's, yeah. <laughs> Who is Steve McGee's? I know his name, but we don't know he knows, he, he knows what they call it. Oh, Mitch. You, Mitch you know who you are, Steve yeah. McGee's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, it's, it's like last year was pretty sick to see the local talent. Yeah. You know, there's no internationals coming in. And yeah, I was pretty blown away from all the HPC riders and the junior, junior national team and the up and coming team national team riders. It's pretty mm. sick to see. Well, I said in the. No, the previous episode, like it was mind blowing with Obsidian, mm. um, just the amount of snow riding talent that we actually have in this country, like ski and snowboard. Yeah, and it was pretty cool to see that shoved in the um, sort of the limelight, because normally we got the internationals that sort of get swept under a little, like 
because everyone's like, OMG, big name person is here. Yeah, yeah. And then this previous year, it was just like, wow, there is, it was really cool to watch that. There was really someone that could handle anything in those teams. Yeah, yeah. And so you guys were pretty involved with the building of the rail section for that. Yep, yep. And obviously the Big E was at Cadrona as well. Yeah. Which uh, at the time there wasn't, well, we didn't have it on the Big E, we had on the third jump, but there wasn't a third jump. So the boys and the cats did a massive job pushing all that mm. snow, getting that done. And then the Rail Jam, uh, yeah, I was in talks with uh, some of the riders and the organisers about what was going to work. Mm. And we had this big plan to involve this area with rocks, get a bit of natural sort of riding in as well. But... Uh, yeah, unfortunately, the day, basically the day after we all met up on the hill, it just got mm. warm. And right. we lost a lot of that snow and stuff. But again, the boys and the cats did an amazing so job and pushed all the snow up. And busy pushing snow from areas you didn't know had snow. <laughs> yeah, they went, they went pretty low down the hill. Yeah. They were, they were down like Y-Front or something and oh, right. <laughs> pushing snow up in the rail jam area. Jesus. Um, and, you know, basically they drawn up some rail ideas for the jam, but they wanted some snow features too. Mm. and it was kind of hard to promise exactly what we could give them because we're in the middle of pushing mm. and I kind of said to the boys they could you know they, they know what would work and gave them a lot of freedom and they built these tranny hits mm. and the boob do you remember the boob? no I don't remember the boob uh, so we had the second rail pad with the rainbow and the down bar and on the skiers right of the rainbow was this nice round kind of just a snow mound sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, shit, I don't. I can't remember who called it the boob, I mean, but it's sort of stuck. And um, Wacko and Finn Blitz both doubles over it. Really? It was a rail jab. I enjoyed watching... <laughs> I enjoyed watching that. And uh, JJ said in his one it was mm. his favourite event. Mm. Yeah, he ripped it too. And, yeah, he was um, killing it. And uh, there were so many cool things I remember watching. Like one of my favourite things was watching Christy Pryor do a 50-50 backside 180 out over the yeah. stairs and the way she fucking did that yeah, it's like yeah. oh my god like I want to do like she was so stocky and grrr. yeah and um and obviously just JJ just pinging around that thing yeah and it was really cool to watch how creative all the riders were getting mm. like you're saying like Jacko and Billis doing wild things off things that aren't designed you know it's not a rail jam you don't do a backflip but it doesn't is like and, next um, well who was it who else I mean obviously Zoe like, yeah. she was just uh, Ronan, Ronan Thompson yes he, he was in the park crew for the last couple of weeks of the season even because he came out yeah. guns blazing yeah shit yeah. Ronan is an interesting character <laughs> I remember seeing him when he was working for your park crew yeah and he was riding this piece of shit Rosignol Rock T board that we used to have in rentals in the early 2000s. Mm. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing, Ronan? Yeah. He's like, had this theory that, oh, if I ride an old piece of shit board, it's going to hold me back from, he's telling me this, Yeah. <laughs> it's going to hold me back from doing anything too wild. Mm. Then as he drops in to do like some, <laughs> drops in, does a two sev to two sev out on something and yeah, then fucking yeah. goes for like a road rodeo seven like dude you're actually safer on the other board yeah <laughs> i guess he's a very talented snowboarder mm. that something wild for him is totally different yeah, to other I people because <laughs> he's like oh just take it easy and then yeah, yeah. Does that, like fucking what yeah yeah oh. yeah yeah i think he podiumed in quite a few of those events mm. it was so cool to watch like i was saying like 
I couldn't pick one thing that Zoe did because it was just this whirlwind of like holy shit yeah I think the big year with Zoe she got her switchback 9 early mm-hmm. and then after that started going for the back 10s oh right and she hadn't done one I think at that point and it was pretty sick to watch yeah because oh. she was getting so close I think she was like landing on her feet and slipping out and then it wasn't long after that she got her first and now she's stomping them on yeah. the world stage you know because she was getting <clears throat> was it back 10s or doubles during the spring camp saying it was kind of a big deal uh, yeah the back 10s were just before spring camp but yeah uh, yeah we built a transition feature well we the the boys and the cats pushed mm. for days basically yeah. took all our jumps down to the third and built this uh, quarter pipe to the park landing jump landing mm. and she did a cab dub underflip so do you work pretty close with uh, Snow Sports NZ and the New Zealand team? Uh, well, last year was kind of a first with that. They, you know, wanted a few more things for them to train on and that. So, mm. yeah, got a bit more collab going on. Mm. Um, but, but you don't work with them more than, say, other international teams that are out? Oh, for sure. We used to not so much, but now with this collaboration with Kadrona and Snow Sports, right. it's getting a bit more tight-knit, so... Last year, um, while we are pushing snow for the pipe, we built them their own rail setup. Is that where we've seen, like, Cool doing the, like, 180 to switch Wildcats? It's where the, where the infamous tube was. I think it was Cab right. Wonder Wildcat um, and the everything else that we... Yeah, that's just the trick I can remember. Yeah, you no, know, like, Tian, did he 2-7 and 8-10 out? But and and Tian, he, made it, he made it look good, you know. Christ, Most, yeah. If you hear that trick, you'd think arms... Um, waving in that but you yeah. managed to grab melon or something and stomp the shit out of it yeah Steve McGee's there's yeah. uh, pretzel underflips and yeah skiers as well were killing it Finn was dominating and then the Groms when they got allowed to get in there as well there's you know if you weren't flipping off the tube what, what were you doing right <laughs> holy shit yeah, that, was, that was like day one almost eh? like I, we built it and then I came in my day off to go check out just to make sure it was working see if mm. we didn't make any changes and they're like nah this is awesome with the spring camp stuff mm. there was no international team so it was all all for yeah. them pretty much so, so I yeah. remember being at Smoko in like say November yeah and seeing that <laughs> still hitting the airbag and we're like Christ yeah and I was I had the mindset of like what the fuck are they doing just go skating but then AJ was saying it was the best thing ever because they learnt like Rock on those guys learnt so many tricks that they wouldn't have learnt if it was another season and yeah yeah well it was almost like the snow park vibes Mm. except it was private it was just them yeah you know like there was no one else around and yeah that time of year there was, it was just, there was no other snow around it's just those features mm. like we we really kept those things alive by a lot of salt a lot of cat pushing and yeah but the progression it's pretty sick to see yeah Jack and I <laughs> are taking multiple vehicles to get to, to features mm. driving quad bikes to snowmobiles to hiking yeah. pracking to our end is there Matt yeah um, favourite rider <laughs> I'd say Haldor. Um, love his style, love all the movies and stuff he's made. Even like the backcountry stuff he does is quite different. Mm. They build like little berms to step downs and rock jibs and all sorts. And then his street riding is just ridiculous. Oh, cool. Favorite mountain? Um, TC in 04. TC in 04. <laughs> oh, shit, yeah. TC yeah. any good powder day is pretty epic, but yeah, yeah that, was, that was some of my best days. Oh man, especially if you're like, you know, that two o'clock clear up, holy fuck. Yeah, you don't you don't get TC like that anymore. No. Everybody, well, the dual pass is awesome, but I guess it gets a few more people up there. Uh, favourite board? 
Uh, the GNU Writer's Choice. Yeah, it's pretty good. sweet. It was pretty similar to the Park Pickle, a little stiffer. So, you know, a little bigger. Handles jumps a bit more. Uh, favorite video part? Um, video part, video part. That could be, well, the whole Torso and Horgma movie, Horgasm. Horgasm. I still haven't seen that. You haven't? No. Mate, it's on YouTube. You can watch yeah, it for free I these days. It's, it's crack up. He's got his comedian buddy in there as his manager and a lot of shit talk. Not taken too seriously and the snowboarding is awesome. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. It's been, been here a few times. Yeah. That was pretty epic to watch live, you know. We put yeah. all that effort into those big features and you watch people like him throw down. It's, it's pretty sick. Sort of all the work was worth it when you see Yeah, that. yeah. Right, cool. Favourite gig? Um... This question comes every time. Is this snowboarding? <laughs> Work-wise? You can, you can take it any way you want. It. You can uh, do both if you want. Right. Favourite gig, like concert-wise, would be when I was like 15 and I saw Tool. Yeah. It's the first proper gig. Thanks, Mum and Dad, for letting me go to that. <laughs> that was pretty epic. I tried to convince them to let me go to Pantera earlier on the year and that was a no. <laughs> but, yeah, that would have been was good, good too. Yeah. 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 Um, Work-wise what i'm doing now I'm, I'm pretty stoked on this i feel very blessed to be able to go to work every day happy with what i get to do and i build a playground for all of you people to ride on and i get to enjoy it as well it's, it's pretty sick uh favorite city i'm not much of a city person but if i choose like vancouver it's pretty mm. cool um i only spent like a week there but i thought it's pretty sick that you walk down the main street and you can see three ski resorts yeah like, that was epic. That's pretty cool. And yeah. there's good skating to be had around there, too. Mm. Canadians are awesome. Yeah. Yeah, good yeah, people. GCs. Yeah. Favourite trick? Um, on a rail, a front board is timeless. In the air, a method is timeless. You know? They both always feel good. You yeah. lock it in. Yeah. Uh, Favourite board graphic? Favourite board graphic? Out of the ones I've had, probably the Forrest Bailey Pro Model. Oh, yeah. Um, he's pretty eccentric with his art yeah he? yeah he's got some good art mm. I, I had one that was pretty trippy I think it was a head case and basically people loved it or hated it yeah and it was a good conversation starter yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah and who has the best method the best method uh, I probably can't put it past Ingmar Buckman you know the method yeah, that Brett yeah. Scranson. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm so glad I've never been up there. Like, it's still my to-do list. I spend so much time up in northern Scandinavia, but it's just a little bit further north, and oh, you got to right. be there in May, which right. is time to come back here sort of thing. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's when they actually start getting light from mm. I saw he was up there last week oh, with I, another mate, Abbe. I think um, he from, did a method as a 25-year trip yeah, to yeah. that one or something, eh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he was up there with Abbe Hellstrom from uh, Fat and Furious and a bunch of shots coming out he, he still rips and the final bonus question what's the key to a good method grabbing on boning out that back leg waving to your homies Joyce <laughs> <laughs> well, well thank you so much for your time Matt and hopefully well I'll see you in the smoker room and probably not at the park but uh, the rest of the we'll get listeners you will <laughs> see you in the park hopefully yeah thank you thanks for doing this and thanks for having me Joyce Oh, before we go, have we got any props and shout-outs? Oh, I'll go back to my list, eh? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I've been lucky enough to work with lots of people, so I mentioned all the boys at Kadrona, and then Sweden, Ellen and Jan, what's up? And Oscar was there for a season two, and all the local guys that helped out. 
Finland. We've got Marcus Hacker, Nico, Dylan, Tom, Tatu, Oli, Topi, Verti, Yuka, and uh, Paki. Oh, Nick Clapton Reese oh, was Paki, there yep. for a bit, so that was pretty sick. And every, yeah, it's way too many to list, but uh, everybody I've hung out with, ridden with, all the friends, the family, mum and dad, hooking it up. Kadrona for keeping me employed, doing what I get <laughs> to do every day and love. Well, thank you so much, Matt. As I said, I'll probably see you in the smoker room and not in the park, but uh, hopefully our listeners will see you at the park. And Thank you. Thank you.